Hey everyone, welcome to the One Week Rental Podcast. My name is Ash, and this is my co-host, Stax. This week we're going to be talking about the 1995 film Waterworld, directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring Kevin Costner, Dennis Hopper, and Gene Triplehorn. We're going to start with our. Uh, we're going to start with by talking about what we've been watching for the week. We're going to get into the spoiler-free uh, thoughts on the film, and then we're going to give you a spoiler-filled plot synopsis, plot rundown take you over every fine point of the film, and then we'll tell you at the end what we're gonna be watching next week, and we hope you enjoy. All right, Stax, so, and thank you so much for making that intro music, Stax, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, top it's, five it's, of all time. Really, are we, so, okay, we're, we're saying top five of all time. I'm, you know what, I, I can dig it. As long as the other four are uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Jimi Hendrix. I know that you've got Kanye West in there, uh, but I don't know mm. about that. I don't know about those other two people you didn't mention, but uh, really? I only know of Kanye West. Okay, okay. Well, your, your top five looks a little bit different than mine, probably. <laughs> um, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I hope you have. Uh, I hope you have better taste in movies, though. Uh, <laughs> but oh. before we get into Waterworld, we're going to talk about what we've been watching for the week. Um, for the, we'll do this segment every week where we talk about what we've been watching for the last week. There may be some overlap. You maybe watch a show over a couple weeks or something like that. Some weeks you may not watch anything. So this is really just a chance for us to, to catch up and just uh, give our thoughts on what we've been watching in case the viewers, listeners, whatever, may want to uh, go check out what we've, been, what we've been watching. It's a good place for them to get uh, movie ideas and show ideas. Um, so I, th I was thinking I might kick that off by telling you guys that I've been watching and have finished uh, Squid Game. I actually finished it a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. And um, I think you watched that as well. Boy, what a yeah. show. What a show. Yeah. So so question. So, so you watched it because of the hype, right? Um, I wouldn't say that I, I, you know, it was fairly hyped by the time that I did watch it, but I didn't watch it because of the hype. Actually, I was streaming and, uh, and one of my viewers, Pippi popped in to say, you got to watch this show. He kind of gave me the brief synopsis of it. Uh, like just a couple lines basically said it's wipeout and people die. <laughs> and, uh, which is not a spoiler. I found out because of the trailer, um, which I think is their hook. But I would have much preferred if they kept the fact that people died because it would have made the, the reveal of that a, a lot more spectacular. But um, immediately when he so, told me about it, I was I was intrigued. So I didn't watch it because of the hype. I watched it because of Pippi, but I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I did. And I see why yeah, it's hyped. So I so I was just looking for something to watch and I didn't see I kind of watched it before the, you know, the memes and the hype and all this other stuff. And I just saw it was number one t trending on Netflix and I just clicked it and clicked play. And I just, I didn't watch the trailer or anything. So I went in completely blind and I did not know <laughs> that it was going to be the way that it is, you know? And I think I, it's, that's, that, that show is bonkers. And I, I really hope they do um, more seasons. Well, not more seasons, but at least one more. Hopefully they don't run it into the ground, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, keeping it totally spoiler free, I, they they do leave it open for for that uh, possibility. Yeah. So I would like that too. And that's actually what I advised my friends to do was when I told them about Squid Game, I was like, please go in completely blind. Don't watch a trailer. Don't read a synopsis. Just start watching episode one. You won't regret it. So yeah, if you're if you're at all thinking about watching it, I do recommend just 
just start it. I think that we've already said too much here. So, um, yeah. but it, it, even knowing knowing that kind of basic setup, what they basically show in the trailer, um, I, th- I think it's really worth it, and I think it's a lot of. I, I was gonna say it's a lot of fun. I don't know if fun's the right way to show to 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 describe it, but it's it's certainly a gripping show. Yeah, it's it's a vibe for sure. I mean, you have to be. I don't know. It, 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 I talked to a couple of coworkers about it, and some were turned off because of the violence in it. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're a person that doesn't really like violence, I would just go ahead and skip it. Or just I can, I can see online. that being the case. Yeah. I can see that being the case because it is gruesome at parts. So. But yeah. I think that's what I like about it. I think that I think that um, they don't shy away from it, and I think it's a lot of fun to to. It's a lot of fun in the way that like a Saw movie is fun. Um, yeah. That they're just like, it, it's it's over the top and and it's. Uh, I mean, I watched it at the beginning of October, so it's uh, it's kind of the perfect like run into uh, into Halloween. So yeah, and speaking of Halloween and things being over the top, I um, watched the first episode of the Child's Play TV show. You know what? I saw that you posted on Twitter about that, and we had talked about it previously because I watched Child's Play for the first time with you fairly recently. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the show? I like it. But then again, I I love... I, I don't know if it's a good show or not because I'm biased because I love the Child's Play series. <laughs> um, I recently just watched all the movies in like one day. All yep. but one, you know. Um, but I like it. Um, it's... It's kind of um, if you're a fan of the Child's Play movies, it's a direct um, sequel, not a sequel, but it's it continues where the cult of Chucky left off. So it does it has nothing to do with the, you know, the one, the 2019 version with the, you know, it's like a Alexa gone bad, you know, it's not like that. It goes back to the original. Um and it's in canon, and it's 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 really good. All the original voice actors, and I mean not voice actors, but the original voice actor for Chucky came back, and all the original actors in the movies and stuff that lived, they come back in the show too in later episodes. So I like it so far, um, and it's it's got a nice little creepy little vibe to it, and it's it's really good. Okay, well I think uh, I think. I will um, probably not check that out because I am a big baby when it comes to horror films. Uh, it's the kind of thing that I would only watch with uh, with somebody else so that I could uh, hide behind them. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I was able to watch Child's Play just because you are uh, you watched it with me. So that was uh, that made it a lot a lot help. That was very helpful in terms of uh, keeping my my fear levels down. Because uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I have to. I live in. Uh, one bedroom place by myself and uh i get scared i get real scared at night so we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see if i if i if i venture into the child's play tv show but um i think that's that's about it for what we've been watching uh, unless you've got anything else and i think uh if, if you're ready if you're ready to talk about the film i, I dare can't call it a masterpiece talk about yeah. Waterworld. Yeah. uh you ready to get into spoiler free thoughts yeah Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think your spoiler free thought could just be oh <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 pretty accurate. Okay, but, so spoiler free thoughts. Detail, 
Oh, I'll go into right. detail later why, because um, I, I know my groans aren't, um, they're not fair to the movie. And I'll, I'll go into deeper when we get to the spoilery episode, because there are some fun facts about this movie and why some people hate it. Mm-hmm. And I can, I'll break that down later on in the film and we can go from, go from there, you know? Okay. Sounds, that sounds good. Yeah. Well, we, that's, and that's kind of the, the impetus of these, this is obviously episode one. So, um, for, for everybody who's listening at this point, uh, we do plan to do a spoiler free talk on the film and then we'll get into a spoiler filled plots, uh, rundown of the film so that we'll give you our, uh, every week we'll give you our spoiler free thoughts First, we'll make it very clear when we're venturing into spoilers so that, you know, if you just want to come here for the spoiler free thoughts and then go watch it, you know, if it, if it, you decide to go watch it and then come back to hear the spoiler filled uh, review, um, you can do that. Um, or, you know, hey, if you don't care about the movie, just just listen to it all. If you just that's how you experience a lot of horror films. I, I don't want to watch them. So I'll just listen to people talk about them. So um, that's the plan. So I think with without further ado, t- tell me. Tell me uh, your spoiler-free thoughts. So, spoiler-free, this movie, the base, the base movie is ass. <laughs> I, I just want to say, the movie as it is now, the, just the original Waterworld is ass. But there are um, versions out there where they add deleted scenes and stuff like that. And I, I can't say how much better those are, but to me what i saw it was terrible um there were just bad acting people seemed unenthused with it it just uh the story just there's just plot stuff that just didn't make sense and like one of the things that i thought was confusing in the whole movie is like where the hell are they getting all these cigarettes from so that's not a spoiler they're just literally everywhere you think in a movie with with completely covered in uh, uh, in a world completely covered in water you wouldn't think cigarettes would freaking survive seeing that they're paper you know but for paper some reason and tobacco just, yeah i think yeah. i think that they have a shelf life so i i don't know yeah you would think that as as the water raised unless uh unless they were still you know hey maybe there's a maybe there's an atoll where they're just pr- pumping out cigarettes but we don't know but uh yeah you would think maybe as a as the world was becoming water world, uh, most of that stuff would, would go away. So, so yeah. But um, other than that stuff, I mean, there are some actors in the movie that are doing a really good job. The action in this movie is actually pretty good. Um, this, I think this movie cost, this movie was like the highest grossing movie at the time, like before Titanic came out, and it was like a butt ton of money. Um, so, like, the production, the 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 sets and all that stuff look really good. Um, the only thing about the set that I didn't like was like everything's kind of rusty and it made my skin itch. Like every time <laughs> someone, every time someone picked up a rusty knife in this movie, I was like, "You are gonna get tetanus so bad. Put that thing down." And it's it's it, yeah, and the sets are really good. The action is really good. The explosions, it's just really good. They put a lot of detail into it. Um, so if you're that kind of person who just likes the world of a thing, you know, like how things look and stuff like that, this is right up your alley. Um, filmed in open water is really good. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that 
you touched on a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, in researching the history of the film and, and uh, you know, my my last couple of days has been just Waterworld, like just reading and just watching and, and, and uh, trying to absorb as much as I can about the film. Um, it's a movie that that went through a different a couple different phases um the movie is often described as uh as mad max on water which is a really fair uh a really fair description of it um but it came out seemingly way too late for that craze i mean if you talk about mad max and then road warrior i think road warrior came out in like the mid 80s so it's already kind of out of that you know when that was popular um It, it it started its life as a a script that was much more fantastical, uh, with a villain who carried a trident named Neptune, um, and a lot of those elements were were cast aside when they started to turn this into a bigger production, um, and it became yeah. a studio, you know, an actual movie that a, a studio is making for uh, for box office return. Um, but what I did find is that. The movie's just kind of eh. It, it's fine, um, but there's there's a uh, you. Can, it's very clear that Kevin Reynolds had an idea of what he wanted the film to be and what Kevin Costner wanted the film to be, and there is kind of this duality throughout the film. Um, part of the reason yeah. that scenes seems uh, scenes seem uh, out of place or poorly acted and, and just don't make a lot of sense. Is because a lot of stuff was cut. Um, the, there was no concise, vi- or like no clear vision. There wasn't one vision that was kind of directing yeah. it. So it does seem kind of all over the place. Um, the version that you talked about was uh, a version that I think it was called the Ulysses cut that people on the internet went and found out the deleted scenes and t- took them and put them back into the film. Um, the read that I got on that without having seen that is that it made the movie longer, but it didn't necessarily make it better. Yeah. And fun fact about that is that uh, Universal actually saw this fan made, um, you know, edit of the movie and they took it and um, they added all the original footage into the movie exactly how the original, the fan editor did it. Yeah. And they did it just like that and they released <laughs> it in a box set and actually came out. Um, couple years ago in 2019 i think oh so interesting was, that's that's so, pretty cool that a fan edit and universal was like this is actually <laughs> this actually makes it better or this is actually pretty good let's go ahead and put this out there you know yeah yeah and i mean that's something that i feel like we see a lot as uh gamers when when modders will create a a whole mod for a game and then mo- those modders actually uh, get added to a team to do basically what they were doing as a modder for uh, for a developer, and um, I, I mean, so that's that's cool. I, I wish that they went that route. Maybe they found the person who was who had put it out and said, you know, we want to we want to take this or we want you to to edit it all together. But I guess they don't need they don't really need that. It's it's probably far less work to to edit a uh, movie and put deleted scenes back in, but. Yeah. But I think that they probably saw that and said, "Hey, you, you don't get to make money off of that. We get to make money off of that." So they they went back and uh, 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 released a cut with all of the deleted scenes. Um, but yeah, to to what I was saying is that it, it sounds like it made the movie longer. It added some more scenes for Jean Triplehorn. It kind of fleshes out her character a little bit. She 
doesn't seem like she just kind of goes along with with the plot as much it seems it gives her character a little bit more agency from what i could what i could tell and uh but that it didn't really change the events of the film and, and there's yeah. there's things that uh we could talk about i don't know if these would come up in these in the spoiler filled discussion but there's a there's this duality of of what the film should be and 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 these two kind of uh warring visions of kevin costner and kevin reynolds Kevin Reynolds was trying to make a very stoic Mad Max type character film where he's just kind of doesn't want to be a part of it. He just wants to kind of, you know, he, he's not a hero. And Kevin Costner coming off of, uh, you know, I, I think he had done Dances with Wolves at the time. Um, and and then he had definitely Robin done. Hood. He did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Reynolds uh, leading into this. And it seems like they had they clashed on Prince of Thieves too, And then, um, they were able to sit down, reconcile some differences and then make this movie. Um, but Kevin Costner obviously is a huge star at the time. He wants to be the hero. He's trying to make, uh, in my mind, Kevin Reynolds is trying to make a Mad Max style movie and Kevin Costner's trying to become the next Indiana Jones with this and, yeah. um, trying to make the character more likable and charismatic. So, what what I noticed most of the film is that I was I there's a couple notes that we'll get to later where I'm just like why is Kevin Costner being such a dick like he's just yeah. he's just a douche for like most of the movie until he decides like okay I'm gonna be nice and and even some of the stuff that he does to be nice doesn't really redeem his character um, but I think we've said as much as we can about this movie uh, spoiler free you want to get into the plot uh, yeah. Uh, okay. One more, one more small thing before yeah. we move into the plot. Um, the um, so with the edit, so um, so after the original director left and Co Kevin Costner um started directing the movie, he brought in Joss Whedon to like help rewrite some stuff, and Joss Whedon said that it was like hell to work on this show to work on this movie with Kevin Costner. And I just thought that was pretty interesting that Josh Whedon pre Avengers Marvel was like, I can help. And then he gets there and he's like, no, this is, this is too much for me. I can't, this is, this is terrible. I just thought that was a cool little fun fact while we were talking about. The, yeah. The, yeah. The warring thoughts. I, I did see that Josh Whedon came in. He wrote some dialogue, tried to kind of like punch up the script. Cause he was, the the script doctor at the time i think yeah. i think he still was the script doctor i mean they they've called him in on numerous movies to kind of help punch up the script i think the latest was uh justice league and we all saw how that went but um yeah i think that he said that all of the 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 script changes that he made were largely ignored and uh and when or something that. that he wrote did make it into the film it was so poorly delivered that that it was it had lost all meaning so yeah yeah all right yeah. so all right I, I, I want you to envision a red flashing beacon here and spoiler-free flashing, or spoiler-free section ending, spoilers from here on out. Uh, just imagine this alarm going off right now. So uh, if, you, if you haven't seen Waterworld and, and you heard our spoiler-free discussion and said, boy, that's a film I want to see, uh, you should go do that right now. Pause it, come back. Uh, we're going to get into the plot of... The 1995 film film masterpiece i'm gonna call it the masterpiece uh 
Waterworld. All right. All right. So, um, here we go. We start. Oh, here. Let me let me start with this. The future. The polar ice caps have melted, covering the Earth with water. Those who survive have adapted to a new world. That's the intro quote from the film. Uh, gets you all caught up. We don't need to know what happened. We we <laughs> we yeah, gl- gloss over. Important. We gloss over a lot. I, I wish that there was some sort of. If we got a 2001 Space Odyssey style, just like music montage of polarized caps melting, raising up cities, people freaking out as like water levels are rising, just something to get us to where we where we're at. We kind of see a, a 3D uh, rendering of the globe and and the water levels rise, and uh, and and they're like, all right, you're caught up, you're you're here. Uh, Speaking of that, yeah. Um, they didn't have to do in the movie they did the universal logo and then they did the universal logo again like immediately after and it was with the polar ice caps mountain they didn't have to do the original oh universal logo they could have just did it once you i don't know if back you saw back? no i didn't yeah see that. yeah that was like the first thing i noticed because i was like why did they do that twice I wasn't even, yeah, I, I didn't even pay attention, apparently. I, I think that now I've seen those, those you know, Paramount, Tristar, the Columbia picture, like all the stuff that comes up before a film. I think I've seen it so many times, I just tune it out. Um, I think I, I, and I put here as, as my little side note, uh, great intro song here, and the year is 2500, and that's super optimistic. I, I thought that, uh, you know, them being like, I guess, I guess... In my mind, I was like, this movie could take place in 2050 <laughs> with the, the the water levels rising. But yeah. um, but I guess they don't they don't actually tell us when the world became water world. They just tell us that the year is 2500. Um, yeah. So we start with a catamaran. I think I don't really know what a catamaran is, so I'm I'm gonna call it's it a, a catamaran. Trimaran. It's a, it's a trimaran. trimaran. Okay. Well, yes. I'm gonna I'll do a control replace control find replace on my word document here and. and Trade it for trimaran everywhere I see catamaran. Um, we say a man is peeing into a container and pours it into a contraption that produces pure water, which begs the question, why don't you just put salt water in it? Why is he gurgling his pee-pee water before yeah. he spits it into a small lemon tree? Um, yeah. Mind you, mind yeah. you, his pee, one, he put the cup down. He could have mm-hmm. held it. He mm-hmm. didn't need two hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two, his pee was lime green. It looked like mellow yellow it was disgusting <laughs> um and how dare you say that kevin costner doesn't need two hands you don't know that you don't know that i mean he is wearing a skin tight outfit so i i i mean from what i could tell yeah from yeah. the shadow and lights i don't know i don't think he needed two hands but all hey, right well you know. i'll let you take it up with kevin costner when he hears this oh boy <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be hell to pay um i the the thing that stood out to me about this is that he he filters out his pee pee water uh, to make pure water and then he gurgles it and then he spits it into a lemon tree and is salt water so much harder to to you know purify than I, his pee pee water I, I just didn't understand why he had to go f- full bear grills there and and I'm not a like a freaking plant expert but can't you just give a plant salt water wouldn't wouldn't like the dirt filter the salt out no i don't think so i think that the salt would actually like sap up the nutrients and we're gonna need a scientist i 
Stax, yeah. make a note for our next podcast that we should add a, uh, a scientist uh, to the panel of, of reviewers right. so that we can ask all of our science questions. But yeah, no, I, I, we'll get that question. I'm uh, we'll get that question answered. I'm sure. Um, but I'm pretty sure that if you put salt water into a plant, it would sap nutrients from the plant and uh, and kill it. Gotcha. Um, we then see someone snatch the lemons as the mariner dives into the water. The mariner surfaces with a cool pair of new boots and a bag of goodies floats to the surface near the boat. And oh my God, Kevin, Her- Kevin Costner is losing his hair in this scene. It is very clear that, uh, that he is balding in this. And uh, I think you might have a trivia, uh, yeah. piece of trivia uh, for us about. They uh, CGI'd his hairline, which is the biggest waste of mo- waste of money in this movie because there's no reason for that and then it doesn't even look good because then like he's always wet and he always has like bangs it's like it's the worst looking it, it just looks terrible like, he's got very he's got, t- very he's got very wispy thin hair throughout yeah. the whole movie and it, it, if they were cging it I, I mean it didn't help because it yeah I, I noticed it every time and i and to me, I was just like, just let it go. Just go bald. It's fine. I, but to, to his credit, if you look at Kevin Costner now, man's got a great head of hair. So yeah, I think I think that's... he solved I think he solved that problem. Yeah, he's probably on that keeps. Yeah, he might be. He might be. I, a good job there angling for the sponsorship in the first episode. <laughs> I like, I like yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> uh, okay, so yes, you have more. You so... have more to say about the hair. No, I have more. So I was just going to go back to what you were saying about the um, the guy snatching the lemons. Like, I don't one thing I didn't really get about this whole movie is that how everything is spaced. It's like it's the it's the open water. Yeah. How did this guy just stumble across this boat? I'm like, oh, I'm going to rob this boat. It's a really solid question because the ocean now is fucking massive. Yeah. And in this movie, the world is the ocean, so it's even more massive. So the way, the fact that anybody at all would run into each other is beyond me. And I think that, you know, if you were like, oh, well, there's 7 billion people, then I'd be like, okay, maybe if there's, you know, the current population. But you have to imagine that the population of this planet is vastly dis- diminished by the fact that it's 100% water. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, it's, so... It's- the fact that, that anybody bumps into anybody or the fact that even anybody could find anybody uh, is is beyond me. Yeah, I have gripes on that later. <laughs> so yeah. well, I'll, I'll rant about that later. Yeah. So, so Kevin Costner notices a small boat near his and hops on the harpoon gun. He talks to the drifter from afar uh, and the drifter tells him that he just came from an atoll eight days east of their location. Uh, it's a cool rule that they, they kind of gloss over at the beginning here that when two drifters meet that something must be exchanged. The drifter offers him the piece of information about an atoll eight, eight days east. Um, and we get a really cool line from Kevin Costner here that nothing's free in Waterworld, which I don't, I don't know why I thought it was cool, but I, I definitely was like, it's a cool fucking line. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. So while he's talking to the, to the drifter, they see two smokers in the distance. Uh, smokers are these... Kind of grubby, dirty-looking, um, like pirate-type guys. I think is the yeah. best way to put it. Um, I, I would say they're like steampunk pirates. Yeah, and they ride around on cool jet skis that they totally dubbed over with like Harley motor sounds, which I I think is awesome. Like, 
one of my favorite phrases to use with my friends is boater cycles. And I was like, these are boater cycles. I got really excited. So um, I've never noticed that in movies. Now yeah. it's going to be every time I watch a movie with like a boat in it, it's going to be like, oh, there's a motorcycle. Well, I think it's just in this. And I think they just wanted the, the, the boater cycles in this to have a, a more tough sound because I've ridden jet skis and they've got more of like a high pitched like kind of like whine to them yeah. uh, but they definitely wanted these to sound like Harleys they wanted them to sound like a, like a pirate kind of biker gang type uh, type you know group so it, yeah I, which, so, I understand why they did that so I've never ridden a jet ski mm -hmm. so how long does do jet skis last like how like how how long can you beat out in the water before you run out of gas the gas tanks aren't huge. I mean, when I, my family had some growing up and, you know, from what I remember, people were taking them out and I think you could consistently ride them for, you know, maybe an hour or two before you're, you're needing to refuel. I, I, fuel is a question, period, in this movie. They, there's a lot yeah. that we'll get into Which about oil levels yeah. or go juice or whatever they want to call it um but because i was just yeah because that's what that's why i brought it up because i was like there's no way because the dude just say the atoll was eight days away yeah and so we we know like in the movie he says the atoll was eight days away and then the way he pointed was the same way that the smokers came they were in that same direction. So that might just be a continuity error in the movie. But I was just what, like, while I'm watching this movie, I'm like, how did these people drive two, like, jet skis from their home base all the way to where they're at now? They stumbled across these people here. And it's just like, they were, were they just, like, cruising around? Like, how did they get so far out from their base? with just jet skis like there's no way for them to carry that much gas to make if especially if you said if if it's like a jet ski usually like lasts about an hour there's no way they made like an eight day ride on a jet ski yeah no out here i don't know yeah i, I don't know if they've you know it expanded the fuel tanks on these things in the in the lore of the movie they certainly never say that it's not something they want you to think about and oh, i mean if you even think sense. if they're you even un, think under the boat <laughs> I mean, there's so there's actually a compartment. If you take the seat off of a jet ski, there's there's a you know the engine is in there, and there's the whole compartment like under the seat and stuff like that. And um, theoretically, you could you could turn that all Not into bad. an oil tank or a gas tank. But I've got bigger qualms with where they're getting oil from. So we'll yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that in, in, later on in the film. So continuing with the plot, um, the they see these smokers in the distance uh the drifter tells the mariner to that he's lowering his sails and he's going to run he tells the mariner to do the same and at this time the drifter thinks it's a he's gotten away clean but he decides it's a sick idea to show off that he stole the lemons from the mariner and and then it's fucking necessary it's go time from there the mariner and the smokers race towards the bag uh of goodies that the mariner freed from the ocean floor presumably which wasn't uh, that important. I feel like he could have left that, bro. No, I don't think. I don't know. If we, yeah, I don't know what was even in there. I, I forget. I don't know. Maybe it's in my plot synopsis here, but we'll get to it. The Mariner gets there first, and he runs from the smokers. He runs over the drifter's boat. He uh, somehow he has time to run to the bag, turn around, and run over the drifter's boat. Breaks his sail and just leaves him to the smokers. 
which I thought was actually kind of cool. It is it's cool. He has a very this like in my notes. Mm-hmm. I've wrote sick boat so many times because his boat <laughs> is really sick in this game in this movie. But I personally, I would not risk damaging my boat to destroy somebody else's boat, whether it's small or not. Like that was totally unnecessary and could have like totally yeah, oh, yeah. up his boat. Yeah, I think that one way that we could describe the Mariner in this film is petty, and <laughs> just throughout yeah. the film, he just he's not. Yeah, he he definitely holds a gripe. We'll get to that later when he's at the atoll. I've got I've got something to say about what he does there. So, uh, the Mariner arrives at the atoll uh, where he's told to go away, and he pulls out a jar of solid gold. Just kidding, it's dirt. And the people of this atoll are fucking stoked to see that he's got this jar of dirt. Uh, the Mariner. Uh, he arrives at the atoll, he pulls into the dock, and then he uh, uses a car rearview mirror that I think he found on the ocean floor to uh, blind some children. He just, I don't know why, decides to, to fuck around with these kids and blinds them with a car rearview mirror using the sun. So, yeah. Um, it's unnecessary. He does a lot of, yeah, petty, unnecessary yeah, stuff in yeah, the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not a nice guy. Uh, he one takes quick the, thing about the. Yeah. One quick thing mm-hmm. about the atoll. Um, the atoll, it weighed. Um, Two million two hundred and four two hundred and four pounds. Like yeah, and this it, is it this like, is this is a really good chance to talk about the atoll. So the atoll is a circular ring of platforms. Uh, it, it was constructed. That, now one of the interesting things about Waterworld that we'll get into more so is that, um, and probably through your trivia a lot, um, Waterworld is made at a time in nineteen ninety five. Uh, when CG was just starting to take over, um, but practical effects were still largely used. And I think that if this movie was made just a couple years later, it would have been done almost entirely in CG. Um, But it kind of comes out at just this time where they do everything with practical effects. So they actually built this atoll off the north shore of, uh, of the North Island of, or the Big Island of Hawaii, I think it was. And they built it out of steel, wood, paper mache, all for production delays to delay them into hurricane season. And eventually the giant structure that you just described sinks to the ocean. It sinks to the ocean floor and they, um, what they can drudge up. They, they, I think they did some further shoots with that, but the, the whole thing was sunk at one point. Also what stopped uh, production other than the hurricanes, um, they didn't have on this atoll, no bathrooms at all. They had to stop stop filming to ferry people two miles away to the coast so they can use the bathroom because they had no no like porta potties or nothing you know i actually i actually read that they had like hidden toilets on the atoll but they had to stop filming for like a sewage boat to come pump it because it would fill up yeah I don't know if that was in like a, a later iteration of the atoll or something like that. I don't know if they added that because they were like, listen, we are losing way too much time ferrying people around. I know that they had to, to ferry people from the coast to the set, which would take hours. They would get there and then they would have lunch immediately. So by the time that they were starting production, like filming for the day, they they would get there, they'd have lunch, and then they're starting like midday already. And I know that it was just a hell of a production just because uh, they would get everybody set to do a shot 
and then the camera boats would get blown off by the wind. Uh, so there was no real way of keeping people in there in their starting position. And that caused a lot of production delays, too. Uh, do you yeah. by, do you by chance have the trivia for us about um, about Kevin Costner getting stuck to a boat? <laughs> um, did you hear about I, this? I did not hear about that. I did hear about um, J- Janae Triplehorn and um, the little girl actress. Oh, I forgot to write her name down in my notes. How uh, oh, Deb from Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, uh, Deb from T- Napoleon Dynamite. Tina Major or something like that. Tina, yes. I didn't write her da- her name down, but uh, it's Tina Majorino. Tina Majorino. Yeah. I did read that um, they almost died. They almost drowned a couple times on the movie. I didn't hear about. I didn't read about the uh, Kevin Costner situation. What happened with that? Uh, Kevin Costner, at one point, they wanted to get a shot of him doing like his best Captain Jack Sparrow at the top of the mast. So they had him tied to the top of, of the mast, like like secured to it, right? And then they're trying to get like a sweeping shot around with like a helicopter. And uh, the boat that he was on got blown off course by the wind. And it took them 30 minutes to catch the boat that he was just tied to the mast of. Like they're star, <laughs> they're star actors up there. I also read that... Um, uh, Laird Hamilton was a professional surfer who was uh, the stunt double for Kevin Costner in the film. Uh, they had him do a free diving scene where he was uh, swimming up from from deep in the ocean, and uh, he swam up too quickly and got in uh, almost died from an embolism. And uh, oh, wow. so this movie seems like uh, production was a hell was hell for it. And um, I remember hearing that Kevin Reynolds reached out to Steven Spielberg asking um you know what's it like to shoot on water would you ever do it again and uh steven spielberg said to kevin reynolds like you may but i never will after jaws he was just so turned off uh, of the idea of ever filming on water that um that he would never do it again so that's why i say like a couple years later i don't think that this film would have been done on the ocean i think they would have done it in big pools in Hollywood and maybe off the coast of California where they did some reshoots and do a lot of it with blue screens um, yeah. and CG because it, the, you'll see that this movie uh, balloons in the in what it costs. I think you talked about it earlier. The budget for it was $175 million, uh, which I think at the time it was the, the most expensive film ever made. Um and one of the one of the things that this movie is kind of infamous because people think that it's a bad film, and really I think it's a fine movie. It just gets wrapped up in all of the controversy of the director and Kevin Costner fighting, as well as all of those production delays and the fact that the you know it got so out of hand. Um, I think when they talked to Dennis Hopper about the film, he said uh, that you know it's actually a pretty good movie, but when the studio was putting it out, they kind of wrapped it up weird where there's, you know, it, it was known for its production delays and things like that, that, um, that a lot of people went into it with that notion and it didn't do very well here. It did fantastic overseas. It had a total box office of 264 million. So we're talking about it making, uh, roughly 80 million, you know, which I think, I think is a, is a, pretty sizable success for the studio so So, i don't i don't think that this is a as bad of a movie as it gets a rap for so in my notes i had um the so in my notes i put down that it cost 235 million 
And that was because sets were destroyed by hurricanes and rebuilding all the sets uh, increased the budget of the movie. So you I said, think you said 265 billion. Cause I see it the worldwide total. 230, sorry. 230, 235 million. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see here. It's got a budget of 172 million and a total outlay of 235 million. Once marketing and distribution costs are factored in. So with the, with those, oh my God, my dog just tried to jump up on me and hit his head on the table. Okay. He seems to be fine, but that's going to be in the, in the recording. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it does say that a total outlay of 235 million once marketing and distribution costs were factored in. So uh, the film grossed 88 million at the North American box office and it did overseas, it did better overseas with 176 million at the foreign box office for a total of 264. So still, still, I mean, they're coming out $30 million ahead there. So it definitely didn't lose money the way that, that I think a lot of people think that yeah. it did. Okay, we got to get back to the plot because we we don't want to make a, a five hour podcast because uh, nobody will, nobody will listen to it then. <laughs> but going back to my word document here, um, the mariner arrives at the atoll. He blinds some children. Uh, he takes the dirt to be sold and tells the buyer he got the dirt from another atoll that was wiped out. Uh, the buyer says they'll work out how much he's to be paid by measuring the dirt against pure hydro, which I think was sick, but. Then I realized pure hydro is just water, and uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm calling it pure hydro from now on, for, forever. Um, he tells him that they'll they'll pay him out in pure hydro. The mariner says he wants double what they offer, and he says he wants twice that, or he says he wants double what they offer, and he gets it. Uh, cut to a beggar billed as the hydroholic I saw in the uh, in the credits asking for hydro from Nord this is when we get introduced to Nord who is uh, I would say the prime the, the kind of right hand man of our main villain yeah uh, Nord describes uh, 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 or he's, he's asking for pure hydro from Nord and he describes a girl with markings on her back that leads to dry land the Mariner heads to the store, gets some water when he's he's getting some water and he's approached by Nord, who asks a bunch of questions to the Mariner, including if he wants to trade for the Mariner's, if he can trade for the Mariner's boots. The Mariner tells him to beat it. He buys a tomato plant and some shelves from the store, which I think was weird. Like the Mariner showed up and was like, what do you got? She's like, this is all we have. He's like, this is it. And he's like, I want that tomato plant and also those shelves. And I have never gone to a store and thought, I'm just going to start buying the shit that the store owns, like the, the the shelves and parts of the store. I've, I've been to a Kmart that was shutting down, and they actually do do that. They just sell the sell racks. You, yeah, they will sell like um, the shelves and um, shopping carts, all that stuff. And, and, you're like, and most of it just goes to like local grocery stores and stuff like that. Yeah, but, and you're yeah, like, can I, I have the K? Can I buy the K from the front? <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want that big-ass red K in my house. <laughs> okay, so the Mariner um, buys the tomato plant, buys the, the the racks from the store. He just buys the, the physical structures of the store, and uh, and he's heading back to his, uh, his trimaran. Uh, on the way, he's approached by a group of people, and this is where things get a little bit weird, because this movie's got some weird scenes. Um... Yeah, we'll get to those. On the way, he's approached by a group of people asking for his seed to put into a younger woman in exchange yeah. for supplies. He says, you don't have anything. You're dying. 
And I thought that was a little harsh, but also they yeah. were kind of creepy. Um, yeah, and, and it was for, and because they didn't want to have like, they, I forgot the way he said it, but he was like, um, we want you to do it because we don't, you know, if we were to breed in here, it would get kind of messy down the road. <laughs> like, which is smart, but also she's like, she seems pretty young. It's really weird. Yeah, exactly. it's like, I mean, yeah, so, I, I understand that. Yeah. When you're on an atoll with the same, you know, 75 people that you want to, you want to bring some outside genes into that, that, uh, that mix, but I don't think they're doing it the right way. Um, he, he, he denies it, right? He says, you, you don't have anything, you're dying, which is reason four or five on the list of why I think you should say no, but whatever. Um, his reluctance to, to, to do this makes them believe he's a smoker spy, and they try to grab him to stop him, leaving, leading to a tussle with a guard uh, who discovers gills behind his ear, and everyone yells, he's a mutant. Um, I remember in this film that he had gills and webbed feet and that he was a mutant of sorts. Um, but I don't remember the gills being as gross as they look. In yeah, the they movie. were really, it just, they just looked like open wounds. It was, yeah, they it did, was really yeah. gross. And they're right behind his ears, which I didn't think is like where gills would be. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if, like, if, you've, if you've, if you've seen, um, <laughs> if you've seen the boys, I kind of picture more gills on like the, the ribs, the abdomen, you know, the, uh, I haven't seen that. Oh, you gotta watch that. That's a great show. Um, okay, so after they realize he's a mutant, they all start chanting, "He's a mutant!" Uh, he there's there's it leads to a tussle. He shoots a guy in the foot with a spear gun, and that's kind of dope. He punches another guy, and then he gets tackled into the water and caught with a net. And I'm thinking, the water is his environment. Like they tackle him into the water, and I'm like, oh, he's about to fuck some shit up. No, they just throw a net over him, and, and he's he's done for. Uh, I guess that's smart. I mean, I, like, I guess so. Like, I guess they, they got the upper hand on him. Uh, the Enforcer, uh, who's another character we get introduced, he's he's kind of... The Enforcer is is an interesting character in that he's around for the whole movie, but he does very little. Yeah, and he has one of those faces of, like, an actor that's been in a lot of stuff, but, like, when I looked at his, like, Wikipedia page, like, none of his movies, like, rang any bells. I'm just like, yeah, I don't... Your your face is so familiar, but I don't know what you've been in. I think I thought the same. I I looked at what he had been in, and uh, I I didn't recognize him from really anything. I I don't know why he's around as much as he is. He's this is R D Call. R D is like initials are R and D Call, and uh, I guess he's best known for. Um, you know what I think I know him from? Okay, so he's in Forty Eight Hours. He's in Brewster's Millions. Brewster's Millions is a fantastic film. Uh, at Close Range, No Man's Land, Colors, Born on Fourth of July. He's in Young Guns too, and I think he plays the kind of main antagonist, if I remember correctly. Uh, and and I love Young Guns and Young Guns too, so that's probably where I know him from. He's in Waterworld. He's in Murder by Numbers, Babel, and Into the Wild. So he's been around. He's been around. He's been you know acting since 1979, and and his last credit is from 2018. So he's been around. But uh, oh, I think. Did he? Yeah, he passed. Okay, he passed away. I, I I looked at the last thing on on the list, and it said final film role. So he passed away in uh, looks like twenty twenty. So yeah. rest in peace. Rest so in peace. getting back to the to the plot here. 
Uh, the Enforcer stops the people of the Atoll from killing the Mariner, telling the people he keeps the peace and tells them they won't get mob justice. And I feel like maybe that's his only role in the film, is that he's, uh, he's a real due process kind of guy. He, uh, he's not going to give in to the let them have their mob justice. He's, he tells them, you know... Uh, they, they're, they're trying to put him in the recycler, the recycling pit. Uh, and he says, you know, that may be the case, but you know, that's not for you guys to decide. So, um, they put the Mariner in a cage, uh, while he awaits his fate. The elders do decide that he's going to be recycled into the recycling pit, which is something that we see as he cruises into the atoll. And I forgot to mention, um, it yeah. just looks like icky doo-doo water. <laughs> that's yeah, the best that's way what, I can put it. At first I thought it Super was like mud. Yeah, At first super I thought gross. it was mud, mm-hmm. but then like when he was in it, when they later on when they show a close up, feel like, it, yeah, I think it's poopy water and it's yeah, it's gross. real gross. I don't know. I, maybe it's maybe it's some sort of like sulfur or something like that that decomposes bodies or something, and I, I don't know. But but it's it just looks gross. They don't really go into it. Um, so at night, the Mariner is in a cage and we see, he looks down into the water and he sees on a small boat, he sees Nord wearing the boots that Nord tried to, to offer, uh, or tried to trade for. And, uh, and, and it just seems like a rude little taunt, you know, but he's a bad guy. So, so we allow yeah. it, but, uh, but this is what I, I thought of the, the Michael Jordan meme, which is like, and that's when I got angry. <laughs> and just, <laughs> this is when, <laughs> when he gets a little pissed off. So uh, I put in all caps. We see Nord has taken his boots. So he's now shoeless, uh, hanging out in the, uh, in the cage. Um, we see Enola drawing the Mariner in a cage and some creepy old guy points to the mountain on her back. Her mother asked the old guy when they can leave. And he says he's still working it out how to read the map. Uh, Enola suggests that they ask the Mariner. The old guy asks the Mariner a bunch of questions about his gills and web toes and the Mariner straight up spits in the dude's face. <laughs> um, so Mariner's I, kind I of an asshole. This is the start yeah. of him being an asshole. So... Wait, uh, I cannot allow you to disrespect Michael Jeter like that, okay? Okay. <laughs> His name in the movie was Gregor. It's Gregor, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yep. Michael Jeter is a great actor. Our, rest in peace, because he, he died. Um, he was in one of the best movies of all time. In my personal top 10 movies of all time, he was in, my, he was in Jurassic Park 3. He okay. was a mercenary. Okay. You no, got to stop telling I, people Jurassic Park 3 is one of your favorite movies of all time. I, I, <laughs> uh, that movie's good. It's solid. It's, come on. It's not top five, but it is top ten. He was in Tango and Cash, which is another movie we absolutely have to review because it's one of my favorites. Oh, he's in he, Sister he's Act also, 2. <laughs> yes, he is. In, he's, a, he's a priest in Sister Act 2. Um, he's also in this movie called um, Drop Zone with uh, Wesley Snipes. We should definitely watch this movie because we should watch all of Wesley Snipes' movies for this for yeah. this series. Okay, yeah. I, I think it's decided. Yeah. Um, we and obviously also, when he comes. Oh yeah, when Gregor comes to meet the Mariner, uh, he's wearing the stupidest hat because it has oh. a propeller on the on the front of it, and it just every when he when the propeller's swinging, like it just it just got me just when it's spinning, it just got me mad. Because it's just the stupidest hat. And in my hat, in my in my notes, it says um, he is wearing the stupidest hat right now. 
Well, I'll cross that off your uh, Christmas your Christmas list. I, I was yeah, gonna. No. I was trying to think of gifts for you, but uh, I guess you the get me. You get me that is going straight into a fire. All right. Well, looking forward to that. Um, okay, so uh, I'll, I'll stop referring him to him as the creepy old guy. Yes, his name is Gregor. Okay, so uh, he straight up spits in Gregor's face. Uh, old guy asks Gregor asks where the dirt comes from and he says the elders did something terrible years and years ago and he's goddamn right they did uh to to make the planet covered in water uh the elders of the atoll so it's it's weird because he says the elders uh did this he's referring to people of our time basically that we did something yeah. terrible to make the polar ice caps melt uh my next note says the elders have decided to write recycle the mariner that's the elders of this atoll so there's just the uh they're the people that the mariner disrespected when he said he wouldn't uh impregnate their women i don't know it's weird yeah uh so the elders have decided to recycle the mariner but wait a spotter sees a bunch of smokers heading to the to atoll and holy shit this movie is mad max but it's kind of dope <laughs> is what i wrote yeah. um so they're they're literally in the process of lowering the cage down and a spotter sees smokers on the horizon they're coming towards the atoll um the smokers arrive at the atoll and this is where we get some really great action and this is probably the where the, the this is probably the highlights of the movie this is where it's at its best um there i put lol they're shooting water cannons at them and fuck i want to go to universal studios because no matter what you think about this film it it holds a special place in history because it gave us the best universal studios live show of all time do you know what i'm talking about stacks no i've never been to universal studios universal studios hollywood they may have it in florida too but for sure universal studios hollywood because that's where i've seen it they have a uh, it's like a uh, rounded off kind of uh, seating area, a water tank, and a set of that looks like you're in the atoll. And there's a whole stage show that plays out on the on the atoll. And this then shit goes shit goes off, and you get jet skiers in this pool. You get uh, water skiers in this pool you get jet skis doing flips you get water skiers doing jumps you get fire explosions and it all culminates with this like giant ass foam airplane shooting up in like with like fire coming out of like uh all over the atoll and it comes up over the wall and crashes into the water right in front of you and it splashes everybody in the crowd please if you have not go look up the YouTube video of the uh, Universal Studios live show for for Waterworld. So freaking awesome! It's sick. <laughs> Waterworld, like Universal Studios, is a solid um, Disneyland. You want a day to do Disneyland. You want a day to do California Adventure in California. Um, if you go to Universal Studios, you've done everything by noon. It, like if Universal Studios here is like a six hour park, cool. and then you just watch every showing of Waterworld for the rest of the day. In, in my opinion. <laughs> Because it's the best thing to do there. It's like the studio tour and Universal and the uh, the Waterworld show are the best things at Universal Studios. Um, so the Mummy Ride is kind of cool, and yeah, the Hogwarts areas. Yeah, you get a butter beer, and then you go, yeah, watch the Waterworld show. All right, so this is like I said, where we get a bunch of dope shit. Uh, there is jet skis. There's gunboats. There are water skiers pulled by a seaplane. Um, 
which seems hard as shit. I've water skied before. I've never been pulled by a plane while water skiing. Yeah. I don't know how you get going. I that it sounds like you're gonna dislocate all of your shoulders uh, and your ablos and everything. Um, so it's it's crazy. Uh, they're shooting water cannons at people on the jet skis. Doesn't seem to be affecting them very much. Um, the uh, we see Deacon. This is where we're introduced to Deacon, who's our big baddie, played by Dennis Hopper. He gives the order to shoot the door open, and boy, do they. They start unloading on the door. Um, there's a cool semi on a raft. There's like a semi truck that's on a raft, but it's kind of how they like drive the raft, I think. I, I don't know. It's cool. Um, we see ramp boats that, uh, I think boats that are ramps or boats that pull ramps, set up ramps so that they can pull the jet skis by the fucking seaplane off of the ramps and over the walls into the atoll. Uh, and then yes. I, I put, and one dude just flat out hits the side of the atoll, which is kind of hilarious. That, means, that, that, that was so funny to me and so annoying because yeah. he, he, he messed up on the jump, but instead of letting go he just held on and just flung straight into the wall like dude if you if you mess up your jump just let go fall in the water try it again yeah just don't don't try to hold on (laughs) like what are you doing and he goes like face first into the side of the atoll yeah yeah it's and it's hilarious (laughs) there's a a couple times yeah the whole sequence with the plane i i wrote in my notes uh what the f is this movie fast and furious on boats because it was just outrageous it's just oh, really like... yeah yeah i mean fast and furious is known as kind of the outra- outrageous film franchise but this movie is way more out there than the first three fast and fast and furious movies maybe the fourth one too i don't know this is movies out there um so at this point uh we get the one water skier does go flying over the wall and hits the cage that the mariner is in above the poopy water uh this knocks the cage into the poopy water mariner pulls a knife off of the the skier's dead body and tries to pick the lock uh to no avail he sinks under the surface of the water um enola and helen are sprinting to the creepy old gregor's place uh to get on his homemade hot air balloon. You heard me right. This motherfucker built a homemade hot air balloon uh, that's got like kind of like a little like motorcycle type seat that he sits on. And yeah. uh, and they're rushing there because he's Gregor's uh, planning to get them out. He's he's kind of protecting them and he's the one trying to help them find dry land. Um, so question real quick. So yeah. was this a hot air balloon or was this powered by steam? Because I mean, it's there was a, a point a, in, in that case, it's a hot air balloon either way, but I think it's a gas air balloon. I think he's using gas to, to, to yeah, propel it. Because I'm because when he hit the lever, because he so he so he's running mm-hmm. and he accidentally hits the lever, um, and then it activates the mechanism to get the <laughs> hot air balloon going. Yeah, and it just it's, so it's like sucking in water. Yeah. And so that's why I thought it was like a steam balloon. So I don't know if it's like fire hot air balloon. Yeah, and we get we get like it just a, a fantastic scene here of like I was dying laughing because yeah, he I, I think it is fire. I, I don't remember. I, I would have to go back and take a look, but it's 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 a homemade hot air balloon. That's all that's all I remember. Yeah. I was I was I was blown I was not even trying to figure it out at that point. I was like, all right, he's got a higher hot air balloon. He he made out of you know in a world where like all resources are scarce somehow he was able to do i don't know it's it's weird yeah so that's why i thought it was like i thought it was 
steam and then i got mad i was like so you can make a hot air balloon using steam but you can't distill water for everybody to drink so that yeah you know have to pay for it that's another thing yeah is that like you know pure hydro comes at a premium like it is not hard to set up a container of water put a piece of glass over it that's at an angle and leave it in the sun so that it evaporates collects on the glass runs down the glass into another container uh i learned this from the video game raft I, i feel like they, they've got the whole of their society to try to figure this shit out. And I, I, yeah, it's, at no point do they explore any kind of way of producing pure water. And and yeah, it's just they're, they're too content with drinking their own pee-pee water, I guess so. I guess uh, so. Yeah. Um, so this is, a, this is a hilarious scene because, yeah, as you said, Gregor hits the, the switch. The hot air balloon starts filling up and then he's on top of it and Enola and, and Helen show up and he's just like, I can't stop it. I, you got to try to run up here. And then he's just taken off and he just flat out bails on their asses. Um, and, and then he's just gone. And uh, he, he, we see it once he gets out that Deacon orders people to shoot at him. Uh, a jet skier like launches right in front of the gun. They shoot the jet ski and he gets away. And I was content with that being the last we saw of him. I like to believe that he just like drifted away forever, but uh, <laughs> but he will come so, back. So in, in my notes, when that dude got killed, all mm-hmm. I put was friendly fire in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much friendly fire in this movie. It is ridiculous. And we're getting to the, we're getting to the big, the big instance of it here. Uh, Enola points to the Mariner, and uh, they run to help him. So they they see that he's in the cage. He's under the water. Um, Helen and Enola run over to him. Before he drowns, Helen, Helen, uh, Helen, not Helena. I I don't know if I said that. Enola and Helen. Helen pulls him out of the the poopy water uh, while he's still in the cage, and right before he drowns, and she says, help us, and I'll let you out. And with not a lot of better options, he agrees. Yeah. Um, with no emotion I feel like if it was me and I almost died I'm like yes okay let's go let's go but yeah, yeah no like, no, no yeah. emotion given that line because this and is still I, when he's doing the stoic thing and it, he, he starts yeah. to change halfway through the movie I think probably around the time they get rid of Kevin Reynolds as the director you know it becomes more Kevin Costner's vision but I actually think that his response is dope where he just kind of like like asking your dad if if you if he could go throw the football with you while he's watching TV and he's just kind of like doesn't want to he's, he's kind of in between he's just like kind of like nods and and it's like all right I'll do it and okay. uh, and yeah we kind of get this half hearted uh, half hearted yeah from uh, from the Mariner who you know like I say he's got better shit to do but I guess uh, I guess he can put off dying for a second to help them out um so uh, with that. Uh, Helen picks the lock uh, and and gets him out. Um, uh, he he gets out of the cage and he dives into the water uh, in the center of the atoll, and uh, he swims super fucking fast and fucks some dude up. Uh, clotheslines a guy on a jet ski with uh, with like a cable he finds. Uh, he gets his boat free, and this is when we see Deacon order the kamikazes. Um, which are just boats that I, I don't know. I don't know how they're building boats that explode on impact, um, yeah. but it happens a fucking lot in this. And I imagine that they have to use oil to do that. And it, it further adds into the, like, where are they getting this stuff? Uh, it's a, it's another big plot hole of the movie because and they, they talk about their oil levels frequently. Also, he was, uh, the Deacon was very 
willing to just throw bodies at this at all why didn't he just do the kamikaze first was what i was thinking when i was watching the movie Maybe yeah cer been... certainly seems like a like a first kind of wave type thing yeah and you know see how many people you can up, save yeah maybe he was trying to save those up. boats though because that's that's going to be the big loss is that he's going to lose those uh boats and materials and stuff uh, i guess that's true yeah so um maybe you've seen how it went only when he saw that he was getting more more uh of a response than he wanted you know he he uh, started to throw the big guns out there. Um, so the Mariner flees on his boat, but not before yeeting a spear at Nord. Okay, and this is another instance of him being petty. He's home free. Nobody's really paying attention to him. There's a lot of just people fighting. Also, they were so quick to suspect that he was the the spy because he wouldn't fuck their women. And, and this guy Nord's been there for presumably for a while. And they never suspect him. I don't know. It's weird. But the Mariner's like home free. He's taking his boat out of the atoll. And then for some reason, his petty ass sees Nord, the guy who took his boots, and he yeets a spear at him. Totally misses. Doesn't hit him. And then he kind of does like a weird hand gesture, like doesn't flip him off, doesn't really do anything. It looks like he kind of does like a like a C shape with his hand. I don't know what the fuck he's doing here. But he Oh, does no, no. He was doing like he was he was doing like the the two pinch fingers like this close like you were i was this close to killing you that's that not, what that's what i thought oh. that's what i thought it was and we have to go back and take a look at what he does with his hand because that's not what i was like what the fuck was that <laughs> but i'll have to go take a look i'll go take a look after this um so he eats a spirit nord uh enola and helen get the door open um he's now attracted a bunch of attention because the nord and his guys start shooting at him and, and this is like another instance where he's just needlessly petty um a jet ski just like kind of slowly coasts into the door and it's the biggest explosion you've ever seen in your fucking life. It, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. The way they framed this shot up, I, I mean, they could have sped it up or something, but it just, it's hilarious the way that this, like, if you saw this movie and and really thought about the way that these, these jet skis explode, you would imagine that they just rigged up like... C4. C4 with like electric current just waiting to like anytime it taps something these fucking jet skis just explode and huge explosions yeah there's no there's no this movie's not grounded in reality in any sense of the imagination so uh, yeah you get the biggest explosion ever from this jet ski the boat uh the trimaran gets stuck in the double doors that lead out of the atoll and the mariner runs up to help with it uh, help with the door and Enola's barking orders and I put it here it's kind of cute because she's just this she's kind of like an adorable little girl and she's just like barking orders at the mariner she's like here turn this push that you know and uh, it's actually kind of a cute scene and I actually think like oh this is like the beginning of them bonding we will see that yeah. that's not the case here because I'm, I'm kind of can't wait to get to this conversation they're going to have when, when they get Enola? out of there yeah. Enola in this movie I love Enola in this movie I felt like she was like she's great best actor in yeah. this movie i think she was given 110 percent in this movie and all, Child. everything that deal did with her and her dialogue with anybody was always really good yeah so as as uh as the mariner's climbing up uh he puts a, a knife in his mouth and i said is there anything cooler than putting a knife in your mouth <laughs> a rusty I knife oh my gosh it's just dude <laughs> 
if it's, I'm ever trying to impress, uh, you know, a potential partner, uh, I'm putting a knife in my mouth and diving into some water. I'm going to put it in backwards, too, and definitely cut, like, the sides of my mouth and come out of the water looking like Joker, <laughs> but it'll be worth it for the first for the first couple seconds. Um, yeah, no, to, to what you were saying about Enola, I think she is, uh, she's pretty good in this film, and I don't think that the kid actors can get annoying, but I feel like she doesn't have to do that much or say that much, and I feel like it, it never gets to that point, which is good. But, yeah... yeah. Cause, like I we watched Halloween recently, and that kid Tommy just has way too much to do in the film, and it's just annoying. I I, I don't yeah. like that kid. So, yeah, um, I think that she's used it the right way. Um, so, Enola and uh, and the Mariner jump to the catamaran below, and it's it's kind of dope because I think this is where the matter the Mariner kind of jumps backwards and slides down the sail, and it's really cool looking. Uh, which like this movie does action well, and that stuff is cool. Uh, as they're as they're pulling out, the mariner goes to the back of the boat, reaches down, pulls the tomato plant out of the water uh, on the on their way out the door, which I thought was also kind of cool. Um, at this point, Deacon six his guys on the mariner who shoots uh, he he shoots a, a harpoon into the side of a gunboat, and I'm like, what's he doing here? Because he like, shoots his harpoon in, and I was like, what's his plan? And he starts to pull this gun that's got uh, he pulls his boat with a like an AA gun on it. He starts yeah. to pull it and turn it towards Deacon's boat, and for some reason. The guy who's on the gun, they have a conversation. They're like, you know, tell him to stop shooting. Tell him to stop shooting. Tell him to stop shooting. And they just kind of like get more and more angry about it. And the guy that's on the gun just never stops shooting. I don't know what the, like, it, this seemed yeah. like the perfect kind of just like, the reason he didn't stop shooting was because of the plot. They needed this yeah. this thing to happen. And they, I don't know, they couldn't figure out a better way to, to make it happen. I, I like, there was a part where they were like, what's his name what's that guy's name and it's uh -huh. like mark <laughs> it's like mark and they're yelling mark and then dennis hopper's like maybe he doesn't answer to mark no it's charles marcus. charles charles, he, charles yeah he's like charlie <laughs> yeah it's like it's like yes. maybe that's the problem yeah okay yeah, yeah so no, if he didn't hear if you didn't hear you call him chuck then he didn't hear you call him charles either yeah exactly that was a weird but there's like movie there's parts of this film that like seem punched up for humor like that and so yeah. you know it's it does kind of walk a line between like a mad max style um like very serious film and and trying to be an indiana jones type like comedy type action adventure film and, and that's the kind of stuff that i feel like gets punched up but it, it tonally this movie is very weird um because it does seem to go back and forth um so the Mariner shoots this harpoon into this gunboat and, you know, they're yelling, Charles, Charlie, Chuck, whatever. And the, he spins the boat around so that the gun is aiming at Deacon's boat and it shoots Deacon's boat, which goes up in the second biggest explosion behind the, the one from earlier. And it blows the fuck up and it's the end of Deacon. They kill him like almost immediately. <laughs> Just kidding. No, he he dives off. Uh, he dives off the boat into the water seconds before it blows up, um, and uh, and we don't know what happened. We see him dive off the boat, but we don't know what what Deacon's fate was at this point um, until we cut back to the atoll. Deacon climbs aboard and he's bleeding and bandaged. Uh, he's bleeding from a bandaged eye. He's got a bandage around his head, and you can tell that he's bleeding. Uh, he has a cool line here. Is uh, 
he says something about it, as you can see from my arterial blood loss or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I love that line. I, I like that he's kind of eloquent and, and uh, fucking Dennis Hopper hams it up in this film. I think I think he does a really great job. In, and uh, um, his villain is never goes that extra. He's not very sinister. He's always kind of cartoony. Yeah. But he um, he's fun in a way that like I think that this movie was made for families. He's never he's it like I say, it's got two different tones throughout the film. There's parts where it tries to be this action adventure film that's kind of like softened around the edges like we he's never really that sinister of a bad guy um he does kill people and and we see some of that stuff but it's never very like graphic or you know he's they never lean into the the fact that he's a really bad person which makes me feel like it's it's a cartoony action like or like kind of fun action adventure film for the family with action for adults but there's a couple scenes in this film where I'm like, why the fuck is this in here? This is not this is not the summer blockbuster take the kids to the movie and we'll we'll get to that stuff in a yeah. bit. Um so uh Deacon here says, uh I, I shit you not. He right here he says, We gotta keep an eye out for that icky freak as he pulls that... the bandage off to reveal he's missing an eye. <laughs> yeah. First of all, one, the eye looked terrible i felt like it looked like his eye was just closed and they just put stuff on it it didn't look like the prosthetic like, yeah yeah it, it didn't look like some people like in some movies where like you can see like where there's like a a hole where an eye used to be at you know and i felt like they could have cgi that in there a little bit better just a darker but, spot or something like that yeah well yeah. they they blew the the cg budget on uh kevin costner's hairline so uh, oh, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, didn't have, didn't have you, money for the eye. Couldn't even tell. I keep forgetting about it. I don't think it um, looks. Ba- I don't think it looks that bad. I, it certainly didn't take me out of it. I, I looked at it. and I was like, "Ew, that's kind of gross." But yeah, um, we don't. It doesn't stay that way for long. Yeah. Um, and that line, "Icky freak," uh, today at work, I was trying to shoehorn that line into everything because oh, we gotta keep well, one new. The the fun part about it is that is the way that he delivers it because he goes we got to keep an eye out for that icky freak and it's like as he pulls the bandage off, yeah, yeah. and icky freak was kind of a, a weird, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, that's my new catchphrase now, icky freak. It's an icky freak. All right, um, the Mariner and Helen back on on the trimaran as they've escaped the atoll. They're they're chatting. They talk about dry land, and this is where the Mariner says. He'll take Helen to dry land, but the child goes overboard. And I'm like, this is, again, this is like the, the second or third instance in the fact that the Mariner's just an asshole. He wants to kill a child. He, yeah. he, he, he says that he'll take Helen to dry land, but that uh, there's too many mouths, uh, you know, to feed on the boat. And the children, you know, they get in the way that whatever. He's got some rationale about why he wants to kill a kid. Um. Yeah. And then here's where, you know, I was saying, well, this feels like a family movie. It feels like an action adventure movie to take the whole ki- the whole family to, you know? Uh, but then Helen, in order to save Enola, you know, who she's uh, a guardian of, uh, she, she says, well, maybe there's something else I can offer you. 
as she starts to like undress herself. And it's really weird. And I put, it's weird. Like, how the hell is he the hero of this story? Like, it's because he considers it. He kind of reaches out to touch her. Yeah, he touches a boob a little bit. And he doesn't go along with it, but it's really fucking creepy. And I'm like, this is weird. And how is, like, this is supposed to be the guy that we're rooting for? Because at this point, I'm like, he's just an asshole. And, and, I don't feel good about rooting for this guy. I mean, I, I just want Anola to win at this point, but it's it's really really bizarre. Um, yeah. We uh, cut fun back fact to, about the yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about the scene: um, when she takes off her clothes and then you see her butt in the movie, that's mm-hmm. not actually uh, Janine, Janine Triplehorn. That's actually not her. It's butt. it's just uh it's just Jean Triplehorn. I was I I, I you said yeah I think you said Gian earlier and then I think you said Janine here but it's it's just it's just Jean Triplehorn with a bunch of extra uh, letters I looked it up right before this because I was like how do I say this uh, I was pretty sure it was Jean Triplehorn and it's just Jean Triplehorn yeah Jean Triplehorn she's so, great I love her okay um so Jean Triplehorn's butt is not actually her butt they hired a body double. To, you telling me they got a butt double in here? They had it. They got a butt double, and um, they had she auditioned uh, butt doubles. She it was she uh, was part of it. And, yeah, so it was her and like three other uh, body doubles, and she was like, uh, "Okay, your your butt looks like mine. You you get the role." Okay, and she did. She just did not want to be naked in this film, which is weird because. She's done nude scenes in movies before Waterworld, and she's done nude scenes after Waterworld. So yeah. she specifically chose not to get naked in this movie. Yeah, but no, I don't know why, but I think that yeah, it's weird that it's weird if you say that she did nude scenes after this film because I think that it's one of this this you know the sad facts, and I think post Me Too movement, a lot of people are are more aware of this. Um, but one of the, the ways that actresses were able to gain, gain popularity and stuff like that was by doing uh, nudity early in their careers and then not doing it later. Um, so, you know, she may have just been making decisions about based on where she was at her career, uh, you know, in her career at the time. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs at the time when you female actors thought that they had to do that in order to 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 break into the industry until they had uh, enough clout to say no that they didn't want to do it so it just it, maybe that's maybe that's what it was maybe she had done it felt like she did it and got you know done, had done the rite of passage to to not have to do it and then maybe she went back to doing it when she felt like her popularity was was wavering because i don't think that she stuck around in the same way that you know Kevin Costner and Dennis Hopper and, and, and other actors in this film did. Um, I saw that she was in uh, a new, another movie that I think that we should watch for um, watch for this review series. Uh, she was in uh, why am I drawing a blank on the movie's name? It's a very well-known movie. It's got Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone and uh, Basic Instinct. So Basic Instinct is actually her first uh, her first film on her filmography. Uh, then, you know, three years after that, she does Waterworld. Um, and then she has a... Yeah, I th- she's got a pretty... She's, she's consistently acted since then. 
Uh, and she's her last film was in 2020, and then she's got a couple of uh, TV credits also in the time. So she's she's kept acting, but I think that you know, I don't think I don't know if she got back to the same level as she was uh, after doing Basic Instinct and then Waterworld. So uh, I think Mickey. Uh, this is where this is where our podcast might be different from other podcasts, where uh, other podcasters might be older and have more historical. Uh, uh, you know, perspective on these things. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of these movies, and uh, I know that we're both younger. Uh, so uh, this was a 1999 film called Mickey Blue Eyes that she was in, but I don't think it did. Doesn't look like it did crazy. All right, we're getting off topic. Uh, enough about Gene Triplehorn. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we see the Mariner and Helen talk about Dryland. He's going to try to kill the kid, and uh, it's weird and I don't know how we're, we're supposed to root for him when he's this be, being this much of an asshole. And this is like really where his real asshole phase starts. Um, we get yeah. a weird scene. Okay, so this is actually what it cuts back to. Um, I don't know if they did an establishing shot of this because I thought that they were just back on the atoll, but later on in the film I realized, okay, no, they're on a big-ass like freighter that the smokers have. So they have this kind of rusty old uh, freighting ship like this big like transport ship you know one that you'd see like with all the shipping crates on um yeah and we're inside there and we get a really weird scene here with some weird rock music this is again where i feel like the movie is totally different it's the music is totally different here it's this like rock song that's very 90s and uh we get a this weird scene with um Deacon and he's getting a cool new eye painted by a guy who's a painter on the ship. I guess I guess the smokers keep a painter around. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I think that guy was the accountant. I think in the description, I think he's. I think they called him the. Accountant. That's what they call him. I was like, how do they have a painter? Just with what we know about this film, that like paint's going to be hard to find, paper's going to be hard to find. You know, yeah. it seems like there's not a lot of room for leisure in this in this world. So I, that that whole thing was weird to me. He paints up Deacon a cool fake eye that actually looks terrible, and Deacon asks the room, "How does it look?" And everybody agrees that it looks good. And then he asks uh, one guy in particular who says, "I think it looks like shit." And uh, and then he gets rid of it and opts to wear just an eye patch from this point on, which the eye patch yeah. looks a lot cooler. Um, He's got stitches in his face from the cuts next to his eye where, uh, you know, he lost his eye in the, the gunboat explosion. So we get that kind of weird scene. Um, in that in that scene, um, he um, Deacon says um, the eye better not screw up his short game. And I just thought that was weird because I was like, how does how did golf? Where the fuck the are golf, they golfing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how did golf survive all this time? And then the phrases that they use in golf like i just i just thought that was weird that they that he said that it is weird they're somehow like far enough in the future that they've forgotten they call like people the elders and stuff they've they they don't know how they really got into the situation that they're in like where they don't know that there's cities at the bottom of the of the water and stuff like that because the the water levels just rose that for some reason like they've really regressed like in the passing down of knowledge and um yet phrases about golf still somehow persist i don't know it's yeah. it's a it's yeah. a bizarre state of affairs um but we get a cool part here where uh they go to like this little hole like a little well on the ship and they look down and there's this old like prospector type dude down look, there in a little that, rowboat before, the, mm -hmm. before that part 
uh, how did they get there? Because <laughs> oh, I, I just thought that was the dumbest thing ever. They're driving around like a hot rod, like plow on the yeah. on the deck of the sh- or on like the lower decks of the ship. Yeah, that's barely working, and people yeah. have to push it. <laughs> like, yeah, it yeah. runs, but they ha- it also has like manpower behind it too. Yeah, and I think I glossed over that because I was just like, all right, this is all ridiculous. And then, uh. Another part in that little scene there going to the little uh, prospector dude, he like everybody's crowded around them and then he just grabs a bowl of cigarettes and he's just like tossing cigarettes like (laughs) candy at a parade. And I was just like, this movie is something else. Like, it's just crazy. Like, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I I think that this movie could be described as just bonkers, but. It's it's pretty fun. It's it's you know I I could see having this movie up in the background just uh for for some background noise and the little stuff that you'll catch is is fun. Yeah. But they look down this little well and there's a little prospector dude in like a rowboat in uh, oil. He's in the he's in the oil tank and it seems like he just lives in there. Um, and we get we get a nice little piece of closure that I cannot wait to get to at the end of this uh, at the end of this plot. Yeah. Uh, we and don't want to spoil. So, let's so not far. spoil. Let's not spoil it for anybody because no, I want to no, wait till we get to the end because it's so good when it happens. Yeah, that oil guy. I feel so far- sorry for him because he's just down there, and then like it's like, hey, we have this much oil left, and then yeah, he's, he's got like a like, dipstick. He's got a dipstick, yeah. and he tells them how much go juice they have. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, Deacon just spits on the guy like, uh-huh. and it just like why <laughs> he spits it because <laughs> like, Deacon's an asshole. They're just like picking on this dude. And um, it, it's to me, it's so funny that uh, he's down there and he looks up and he's like, oh, hi, hi, Deacon. He's like, good morning or night or whatever it is. And he's like, I don't really know because they just keep this poor guy in his rope boat in the fucking uh, oil tank. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end, uh, does he flick a cigarette into the towards the hole and somebody it's has a, to catch it because he was about yeah. to set it off <laughs> it's a it's a match i think he, he oh. like flicks a match yeah like why would you do that i i don't know it, it seemed like such a like if they all the smokers died and they lost everything they had just because he decided to be an asshole <laughs> so i don't know it, it's great uh I, I actually really enjoy that part of that that was like one of the yeah. bits of humor that i laughed out loud and i thought was great um so here I condense. Okay, so right around here also is why uh, I'm going to give you guys a peek behind the scenes. Uh, I was typing up until this point every fine detail of the plot, and I realized that if it was if I was going to do this while watching this movie, it was going to take me eight hours to do it. Um, <coughs> so, sorry, I'm dying just thinking about it. <coughs> so, at this point, I realized that. I, I, I'm going to just take things in broader swaths and, 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 you know, just watch the movie out from the rest. For the, let it play out, and I'll just type as I go. And So we'll move a little quicker from here. But I condensed a bunch of stuff that happened on the boat into just a, cute, a couple uh, <clears throat> a couple uh, bullet points here. So we get a bunch of stuff on the boat. Uh, mostly the Mariner is just a jerk. Helen grabs a harpoon and aims it at the Mariner and she gets the sail dropped on her. Uh, he literally like just drops the whole weight of the sail onto her and, and then uh, like it all, she gets stuck underneath it. Uh, and then the Mariner hits her with an oar. 
Hits her yeah. and knocks her out with an oar. Uh, the Mariner yells at the kid for drawing on the boat with a crayon that she found. And I said, God, he's such a dick. Uh, Enola calls him on his shit and says, you're not so tough. How many people have you killed? Then she said, you wouldn't be so ugly if you cut your hair. And he straight up throws her ass off the boat. And we learn from Helen that she can't swim. Stacks. Which is ridiculous. Stacks. You have children. If you lived in a world that was... 100% water? When would you teach them how to swim? Um, I would never teach them how to swim. Just, just don't. It's yeah, not a necessary never. skill, you know? Yeah. It's better that she spends all that time drawing with crayons. It's a good thing that she's a good artist and doesn't know how to swim in fucking water world. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I thought this was bonkers. I was like, you're and, telling and me you can't swim. Really, really, in this world, you should be able to swim better than you can walk. Realistic. There's well, no way. Later on, we get a line from Helen, uh, and I think that this is actually a thematic element. I think if we were to break it down, it's a dumb one. It's a dumb one, but I think it is a thematic element here that Helen later on goes to say that, you know, we're not meant to be on water. We don't, you know, we're, we're meant to walk around. We have feet. We're, you know, meant to do all this other stuff. And, and yeah, uh, that's, true. She, she, that's why she believes in dry land so much. Um, the Mariner obviously has adapted to the world better than everybody else has by being a, a quote-unquote mutant with his gills and, and web feet. So I think to him that's a foreign concept. Um, so when when we actually learn that Enola is, has the map to dry land on her back, we learn that they found her in a cradle with dirt, which is how they know that she's from dry land. I think that her not being able to swim is just a furthering of that point that she's from dry land. She doesn't even know how to swim because this isn't her world. We're meant to be on dry land. So I think that there's a thematic element there. It is dumb. And I think it's a little on the nose, but yeah, that's, I think um, what they were trying to do. In that little part, she does say, um, where he, or Kevin, I mean, uh, the Mariner says something about, um, there is Kevin no, or- um, there is no dry land and he tells her that she gets it from the bottom of the ocean. I think we're at that part there. And then she was, well, she's telling that Enola's basket had dirt. She, she specifically says um, it's, it was richer than the dirt anybody else has seen, which yeah. is, which just further like pushes her belief that we need to find this land and that it exists just because of how different the dirt that was in with her basket was than, anybody else's yeah yeah and so yeah i think we do eventually get there and yeah and we'll, we'll get to when they go down and stuff like that so um uh we get to okay so she tells uh him that anola can't swim and it's stupid and uh maybe you should teach her how to swim uh and then here the seaplane flies overhead so the smokers have a seaplane we covered that they were using it primarily for water skiing earlier um, but they catch up to the Mariner and the seaplane uh, starts to circle their trimaran. Uh, Enola waves at the, the seaplane and the Mariner just smacks her. And it's like, the, uh, yeah, he, she's she, really cute. She like, she waves at them and then he smacks her across the face. And it's like, he's such an asshole. He's the worst. Yeah. Like he's not. And like all of this stuff, this stuff that I just rattled off in like these bullet points makes him kind of irredeemable especially like the him considering her offering up her body 
for him and uh and it, it, he tries to like backtrack on that later it's but it's none of it works for me and there's another scene that's going to happen down the line that furthers him as a shitty dude the plane open fires on the trimaran and helen shoots the plane with the harpoon which i don't think was a bad call until you realize that the harpoon has a tether that's attached to the boat great so, aim by the way she oh yeah led that shot yeah. like nothing because like yeah. there's no way that a harpoon would hit a plane perfect lead like, and she puts yeah. it right through the fucking gunner she puts it right into the the like little gunner wheelhouse thing and, yeah. and yeah and uh just takes him out the uh, also, harpoon fun, gets stuck in the plane and there's a tether attached the to the plane boat. yep uh the pilot was act was the pilot that was jack black yeah and i that's one of the things that we talked about um the the deleted scenes being put in is that yeah we get a very young jack black in in yeah. the extended cuts of the film uh which i think is pretty fun okay i didn't realize that that was him uh that's certainly not obvious but that's interesting yeah um the plane open fires on the camera and helen shoots the harpoon she hits the gunner the plane is now tethered to the boat because of the harpoon and it's circling in like con- like smaller concentric circles because and it's just breaking shit on the boat the mariner gets pissed at her for doing this and uh the pilot then shoots he leans out the door shoots the cable to release it and the mariner gets like he had climbed up the mast and because the plane was pulling the boat to one side uh it's really kind of cool like when he does shoot the, the cable from the plane uh the mariner gets like flung off the side of the boat and i thought that was yeah, hilarious that, yeah that was pretty i liked that scene i don't yeah. know uh how much of that was actually i don't know i don't know if that was actually like a stunt person actually flinging from that or is that just some like oh for sure yeah or something like that no i think i thought it was it it was really that was a really cool scene i think it was cool yeah i i I like the way that it got flung i didn't even think about like the fact that the you know plane would be pulling the boat one way and it would just like launch him especially at the top of the mass so um yeah we get that which is cool uh and here comes the most perplexing scene of the movie that's for sure uh the mariner is pissed when he gets out of the water he climbs aboard the boat and uses a knife to cut helen's hair no idea why no explanation as to like why that's significant or or why he does it yeah i think he did it to fix the like ropes maybe maybe he braided it and used it to fix the ropes like i was also confused about that that would be far-fetched and i i don't know i think it was just a way that he could get at her without physically hurting her but he's already hit her with an oar and smacked the shit out of anola a couple times i don't know why he's i, and, I don't know he cuts her hair fair, that he was cuts the, her hair yeah go ahead that was just her. like <laughs> go for it go for it go for it go for it he i just want to say that that scene there that was the first time he was it was a justified reason for him to be mad i i could get that he was just a it, dick, everything yeah. before yeah everything before unnecessary yeah just being a dick but that one part there, that was justified. And it's the one time I, that he acts like uh, not a normal human being, but he doesn't hit anybody, which is, I guess, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he cuts to Helen's hair when no idea why. Uh, and then Enola talks some shit and then you get the best cut ever where she talks some shit. And then in the next shot, she she had like braids previously. 
uh, in the next shot, she just has short hair too, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was amazing. I thought that was great. Um, so they took a dumbass thing and just made me love it because uh, she talks some shit and gets her hair cut. And I don't know what the fuck was happening, but it was great. Um, they come across uh, an eccentric, I'll call him traitor. Yeah. And this guy has clearly been at sea for a while. He's lost his brain. He kind of stutters and repeats stuff and kind of is, you know, having conversations with himself. Uh, really, really weird guy. Uh, what a peeper. What a peeper. Oh, peeper. That's exactly what he sounds like. Yeah, he's got kind of is it Irish. I don't know. I like the actor, but really fucking weird character. Um, and they off, they ask him if he, he could trade for food or something like that. Uh, he says he doesn't have food. Um, but he does have uh, uh, the mother load, basically, as I think is what he calls it or something to that effect, that he's willing to trade with the mariner. He's got a couple pieces of fresh, hot paper. He found some, he found a couple pieces. Oh, I think he said that he found, he, he stole like the this atoll's like prized possession after he found out that the, like they were wiped out or something like that so he's he trades he says two pages it, it, for some reason the, there's inconsistencies in this movie where kevin costner's going through the pages later and uh, there's way more than two pages but he says he's got two pages of paper and he pulls them out and he kind of crinkles them and stuff and apparently that's a hot commodity you know what uh the the mariner trades uh the the two pieces of paper for 30 uh, minutes girl. yeah 30 minutes no not a little girl 30 minutes oh. with the little girl. 30 minutes with Helen and Enola. Yeah. Separately. And this is really fucking weird. And when I said, like, how is this supposed to be a family movie when you get this scene and it's just out of left field and very weird and could have been... I think it could have been cut except for the fact that... And I'll get to this part here. Uh, it's really creepy. He says no. You know, like, he's going to take the girls back to... to his little raft this this drifter guy uh yeah. he's gonna take the girls back to his boat and mariner says no my boat so he takes helen down first to inside the boat and he starts to undress and get closer to her and it's really weird and creepy and made me feel very uncomfortable yeah and just before things are about to get bad for for helen and everybody else involved um the mariner comes down and says he's he's changed his mind deals off and the drifter's not r willing to let it go that easily he pulls out a knife the mariner fight pulls out a knife helen goes above above deck and uh it cuts away and we just hear a struggle and they have a knife fight and the mariner emerges victorious it's actually kind of clever the way they shot it because the drifter kind of comes up first but he's acting kind of weird and then he falls down and he's been cut across the back i guess and yeah. the mariner comes out yeah. afterwards and uh and yeah um but i feel like this scene should have been cut it doesn't yeah. add a whole lot um except for the fact that it's the first kind of nice thing that the mariner does and i think that's the only thing reason that they they left it in there but fuck is it weird it's weird yeah it's very creepy i don't like it it, it could have been it could have went uh they could have done something differently like Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We can trade. Let me and you go down there, and then we can, but you know, the mariner and the guy, and then then they end up fighting down there. You know, something a, like that. Like in that. a mad it, in a Mad Max style movie with a Mad Max style character, but I think even Mad Max had a better compass of what good and bad was. In a Mad Max style movie, this almost makes sense. Uh, 
not like it makes sense like it's a smart thing to do or anything like that but it makes sense because this is really like a gritty awful place to be the problem is that this movie is so tonally weird that it's like trying to be a lighthearted comedy at times that this is just like way too dark and way too it's too much it's just it's really yeah. bizarre when you when you think about the tone of the film and the fact that, you know, two scenes earlier, we we were getting, uh, you know, like a, just the scene before this, we get the kind of funny jump cut of like Enola's hair being cut off. And and then a, a scene later, he's like bargaining this guy so that he could spend weird time with her. Like it, it's 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 a very tonally all over the place movie. And I, I wish that they. Uh, I wish that they had just stuck with the more lighthearted uh, Indiana Jones style film. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Mariner finally decides that he's going to get them food. I don't know why. So the whole thing that they were like trying to trade for was food. And they, they, at this point they haven't eaten in a couple of days, it seems like. So the Mariner finally decides. And then, and then we're right back to this being a fucking kooky, weird action adventure movie. The Mariner decides he's going to get them food. So he hops in the water with the harpoon. Uh, thingy attached to the back of the boat so the, the harpoon is like attached to like a rope on the boat and he hops in the water and he's getting dragged by the boat through the water and he's kind of doing something weird with his arms we have no idea what he's doing but we find that he's just making himself look like bait because out of the water comes a gigantic CG sea monster uh, that snatches him and Which I think is- that's all we get I think that's all we get. We oh no no we hear uh, a kind of a roar. We see bubbles and then we see blood and we cut to the mariner throwing like a big piece of like sea monster on the grill. Yeah, that that it was when I saw it. I was like, was this always here? Like I don't remember that as a when I, as a child when I watched this movie. It's bizarre. Just, like, the CG yeah. is bad. It's it's out of nowhere. It's. It, uh, at no point were we led to believe that there were sea monsters in this in this world. Yeah. Uh, there's no expo- so, explanation as to why. So apparently, so instead of it being um, the, the humans have evolved, caps, really. Yeah. Instead of it being the polar ice caps um, melting, the original was supposed to be there was like all of a sudden earth got another moon and that raised the tides and that's how it became a water world. Okay. And I've saw people theories online that that's where the sea monster came. It was from the, the, you know, the second moon coming on our planet, making just changes to the environment. And maybe the sea monster was just some kind of, you know, uh, evolution. From yeah. An extra moon, you know, that see i I don't think that i don't think that holds water i think it even i think it holds more water (laughs) holds more water i think (laughs) it's it holds more water to say that uh that that it's been but evolution is a very slow process so even over 500 years to say that we would get sea monsters is kind of out there yeah humans haven't humans haven't really evolved besides the mariner it's not like which the mariner theoretically i mean I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it's hard to say from an evolutionary perspective. The Mariner is much much better, much more likely to survive because of his web toes and his gills. But he's not exactly like 
procreating there doesn't seem to be that vibe he's not really trying to so it's not like people are going to be because he can survive better that this mutation is going to take hold and that now everybody will have gills because theoretically that is what would happen if it was a water world over millions of years right but you could believe that yeah maybe it would happen for sea monsters you know if if there were mutations that made them better suited to survive in a, a world of water but Again, that's going to happen over millions of years. It's a, it's a weird yeah. thing that there's a, a sea monster. It doesn't match with any... Other, there's no other fantastical elements in this film that are like that. So it's it's really weird when that happens. And I think that that is probably just... It, this movie didn't need any more action either. It's not like, oh, we, we need something to put here. Because we just had an action scene with the fucking seaplane and stuff. And, and him killing a guy with a knife. It's not like yeah. we were like, oh my god, this movie's boring. Like when there's sea monsters in uh, in Phantom Menace, I'm like, hype. This makes sense, and this movie's boring as shit. They just been talking about trade negotiations for <laughs> an hour. I need the sea monsters. This movie doesn't have that issue, so I don't know why it's there. It's it's stupid. It looks terrible. It's it's. I wish this part wasn't in the in the movie. I don't know. I don't yeah, know no, it didn't need to be there. It, yeah. it could have just been as easy as like you know a shark you know or, or, you know like you could have yeah. done it easier oh. to make it make sense or something you know a megalodon would have been way cooler yeah it, it doesn't yeah. yeah i mean the it's, evolutionary problems are still part kind of sort of there but at least it's i could i could believe a bigger shark i for some reason i can't believe the the, the sea monster thing so yeah it, um yeah and I believe that that was added. That was definitely like a post-production thing. I, I, like they didn't know what the sea monster was going to look like until they did it because the sea monster's got these big yellow eyes if you slow down the film. And uh, when they're eating the meat, uh, the Mariner offers Enola an eyeball. Uh, and she says no, but it's like a human-sized eyeball. <laughs> yeah. And then he uh, he juices it into his mouth and then eats it. And uh, and it's gross. But like I was like, that that came from that? Okay, all right. Okay, okay, whatever, Waterworld. You, you, you got your plot, yeah. and you're sticking to it. All right. Uh, so I like that he also like could have done that at any point, and then he just finally decided to get them food. Like He's just an asshole. Um, and I, I said that I'm guessing there's supposed to be an, uh, another scene here, but budget constraints stopped it. It's very bizarre, because it's like we see the sea monster for a second, and then they cut to him having the meat. And I almost feel like there was supposed to be a battle or something like that with the sea monster. And, you know, yeah. he, he emerges victorious. But it's it's weird. Uh, the, the Mariner starts to soften up a bit here, and he tells Enola to listen to the world. He juices an eyeball into his mouth before eating it. That's when that happens. Uh, she, she, he's, his big gripe with her is that she's always talking. He says, you need to just like listen to the world. Um, and she's like, I don't hear anything. And he, he makes some remark. Um, later that night, Helen explains to the Mariner that she's not Enola's mother and the tattoos on her back are nothing. Uh, people at the atoll thought, uh, thought Enola was a freak and the Mariner starts to loosen up and gives Helen the crayon back. He's also very protective on the, of the crayon when he hands it back to her. He says like... Not to keep, like <laughs> just to borrow or something, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Um, I've never submerged crayons underwater, yeah. but would they survive? Yeah, they're, they're, they're wax, so they're hydrophobic, I okay. would say. And I, I think I think so. I think you could take them out and dry them off and they'd be fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next morning, Helen wakes up. 
Enola's nowhere to be found. She hears splashing in the water. And uh, Enola, it's really cute, actually. She's got her arms kind of around the mariner's neck uh, on his back. And he's uh, teaching her how to swim, I guess, or at least just taking her for a swim. It's kind of a cute moment. Uh, yeah, this is Very wholesome. We're two thirds through the of the way through the movie, and they're like, uh, "He's a fucking asshole. We need to we need to fix this." And then they start trying to like add scenes here to like make us like him. And I'm like, "Oh, it's cute." And I'm like, "But also, you were gonna let a guy have sex with her, so like, what are you doing? Like, I, I'm not gonna give that up. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not sure, you know." Yeah. Uh, they reach a barter outpost. So they're coming up on this barter outpost. And they see just people creepily waving and there's, and I'm, I'm like, this is a trap already. And, and we see Deacon and his guys have killed everyone on the, on the barter outpost and they've rigged up their bodies with wire wires and they're just making them wave, which is kind of creepy. Uh, and we actually get a cool shot here of underwater. There's jet skis that are like weighted down below the surface and they cut the, they cut the ropes releasing themselves. And then the jet skis surface and they start to chase uh, the I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was sick. I thought that was a good idea. Um, I, I think you would probably flood the engine if you submerged it, but I, I'm being too uh, logical for this movie again. Uh, the Mariners figure out, or the Mariner figures out, figures it out, and they start to run as the smokers chase and, and shoot at them. The smokers attempt to catch the boat in a net, but the Mariner hangs off the side. So he's telling everybody to go to like to the left side or go to the right side, and they're hanging off the boat to kind of lift one of the trimaran little pontoon things out of the yep. water over this net. They go to all the way to the right, they go all the way to the left, they do it, you know, twice, and then, uh, and then uh, I think they do get caught in the net. Um, eventually and he deploys the biggest cgi parachute you've ever seen and it again looks terrible i yeah. i didn't like any of the cg in this movie i think it looks all bad i think it's i think it's blatantly obvious when they do it and i understand that it's 1995 but man it did not yeah. hold up well for me yeah uh, and it, it's kind of like a jurassic park where jurassic park just kind of threw in the cgi and it also looks bad in jurassic park but at least with jurassic park is during it's at night so it kind of yeah, you can it's, get away with it more, but with this being... It's the T-Rex, and the, it, it never really pulled me out, but they did practical effects with, like, the Velociraptors and stuff like that. I feel like they used CG sparingly, and they used it in yeah. short enough periods of time that it's not yeah. overt. Yeah, so. and but with this movie, it's being like, here's a big thing, and it's bright, is you know, it's daytime, and, you know, and it's very obvious that this looks terrible. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's all bad. Um... So here the de uh, Deacon pulls out a sniper rifle and he shoots the Mariner. He literally shoots him in the back, uh, like lower, lower back. And uh, the smokers, uh, I think they, I think they accept that they, they winged him and that they're not going to get far and they just kind of let him go. So they, they, they get away for a short period of time. The Mariner is bleeding. Okay. So they, they've gotten away for a short period of time, right? They've just escaped the smokers. They decide that right now, is the best time to go for a swim. The Mariner's bleeding and he demands to know what the map on Enola's back is. Helen says, uh, people say it's the map to dry land. He says, dry land's a myth. And she says, she's seen dirt darker than his and it was in the basket that they found Enola in. Uh, he oh, says, yeah, that part. he says, I'll show you dry land. He puts Helen in a diving bell and they go to the bottom of the ocean where they see a city and there's very bad CGI here. Like him swimming away from the camera was like, shit i would do an eye movie it's it's real bad yeah um, so apparently they when they filmed this they yeah. did it they <laughs> they used models 
So they they just put models in like a fishing in a fish tank, and yeah. then they filmed superimposed like yeah him swimming but getting smaller uh, like away from the camera in there. It's yeah, yeah. And then they it, also split. They also did it diff separately. They did Kevin Costner uh, separately. They filmed him separately from uh, Gene, and then they like superimposed those two scenes together so the whole thing just ended up looking really bad yeah it 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 looks real shitty it looks real yeah. shitty i did not did not love that and i i thought it was kind of dumb um I, i've got two questions here how the hell does she not die from the pressure because she is i think at some point they say that the polar ice caps melted and that like water levels raised by like twenty nine thousand feet so if they're getting down to a city even if the city's not at sea level you know it's at maybe a couple hundred feet or a thousand feet so they're like twenty eight thousand feet underwater yeah there's no way it's bonkers it's bonkers yeah so i said how the hell is she not died on the show i know yeah how the hell is she not died from pressure and the bends um and i said and you know, he kind of starts this off by saying, I'll show you dry land. And then they swim to the bottom of the ocean and he shows her the, you know, the city and stuff. And I said, this is by definition, not dry land. Yeah, it's land. I don't think I don't know if there was ever any doubt about the fact that there was land somewhere down there, because I don't know, you can't just have a floating ball of water in space, I don't think. But um, yeah, it crazy, crazy stuff happens. Uh, when they resurface, they find their boat. Their boat is surrounded and overrun by smokers looking for Enola. Uh, the boat is literally so small. How can they not find her? Is what I wrote because th there's not a lot of places to hide. The fact that they can't find Enola is kind of ridiculous, but it sets up this tense scene where Deacon threatens to kill them, and Enola screams no. They take Enola and the Mariner and Helen dive into the water and he's her personal scuba tank. Uh, it's an awkward first kiss, but she seems really into it. They literally cut to Enola screaming and being kidnapped as they're kissing. And they're having this like passionate oxygen sharing kiss underwater while like Enola's getting kidnapped and is horrified. It's a it's a bizarre moment. It's a bizarre moment. I don't know why they chose yeah. right here to do it. It makes way more sense that maybe I don't know. It, it makes sense for this to have happened earlier than this or later than this, but not at the fucking worst part. Of, like she's explained that she's not an old mom, but she definitely cares for her. So why are you sharing a passionate kiss? You know, but it's gonna get worse. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's gonna get worse. Uh, okay, so back at uh, the 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 container ship, the shipping, uh, you know, big freighter that Deacon and the smokers have, Deacon tries to get info about the tattoo from Manola, and he's got a really nice tan in this scene. I could not uh, get over the fact that Dennis Hopper was rocking a a very good tan, because which I I imagine everybody in Waterworld should have a really nice tan. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dennis Hopper is given 100% here, and I feel real bad for him. This movie is hokey as fuck. <laughs> um, it, it's real bizarre, but Dennis Hopper's hamming it up, and I, I appreciate him for it. Uh, the Mariner, in this part here, yeah. mm -hmm. in this part here where uh, Deacon's eye is mm -hmm. so black, it's like it's, it's black and it's gross, and there is no way that thing is not infected. Oh, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. 
yeah and it's just it was just so gross with all the salt water he's definitely gonna get like MRSA or something like he's yeah Yeah. it's all bad I imagine that any kind of wound in in, uh, Waterworld does not go over well Uh, the Mariner and uh, Helen contemplate what to do and all she can think to ask is why didn't he want her when she offered herself up to him really like her daughter's been kidnapped Her, her you know for all intents and purposes her daughter has been kidnapped and instead of figuring out how they're going to save her or what to do or, you know, being just concerned, her, the top concern on her mind is asking the Mariner when she offered her, her body to him, he, he started to do it and pulled away. And I think that her priorities are dumb and stupid here, and, and I don't like this writing at all. Um, yeah, this is out of place. The, yeah, so uh, she, she asks, you know, why, why didn't you want me when I offered myself up? And he says... You didn't really want me then. Uh, oh, Joey, you know, he says, you really didn't want me. And then she kisses him and they, they make out a whole bunch. And uh, and then he, he uh, they, I say they make out a whole bunch. It's implied that they have sex, um, which uh, fucking, again, hell of a time to do this. Uh, your your daughter is missing and I, I don't know if this is, <laughs> I don't know if this is so that uh, they can think better about the problem at hand at some point or, or yeah, what. <laughs> He's going that, uh, that clarity, you know, that post sex he, clarity. He's going for post nut clarity, and and God damn it, you got to respect it. Um, uh, he he goes under the under the water line at this point uh, to like inside his boat because it's taken on a bunch of water, and uh, he goes into a box and he's got a bunch of books in there, like a bunch of books, like paper for days. Okay. Yeah. And I, I put here in all caps, I was like, he's going to let that weird traitor have sex with the girls for a few pages, but he's got books and books on hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's weird yeah, as fuck. Yeah. I thought that same thing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad that somebody else thought it because it was ridiculous to me. Uh, out of nowhere, the creepy guy from earlier flies over and picks up the Mariner. Uh, so creepy, um, creepy old guy. So this is Gregor. Gregor shows up in the... Uh, Real quick. Yeah. Um, back to the where he pulls out the books. Yeah. So um, he saw the drawings of the trees and the horses and stuff that Enola did on a ship. And then he was like, yes, yes. He went down and saw the magazines like it's rich. She's seen it, whatever. Right. But when I was watching it, I was like, couldn't it be possible that she drew it because she, she saw, saw his magazines? Or so. Yeah. Or saw a page earlier on in her life. But it's implied that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, what it. You know, I think at one point he asked Helen, like, the thing she draws, like, you know, where does it come from? And uh, uh, Helen says she's she's like a mirror. She just draws what she sees. And and I think that that's, you know, we're supposed to put it all together. Um, I'm going to go back for a second, and I apologize. This is an awkward aside. When he was, the, the creepy guy was under, you know, in the boat with Helen, and he was about to, like, get it on before the knife fight, basically. Mm-hmm. The Mariner's up on the boat, uh, up on up on the top deck of the boat, looking at the pages that he traded the girls away for, basically. And he sees something, but we don't know what it is that he sees that causes him the, the change of heart to go save them. And I thought that was really weird. He's just looking at pages, sees he looks intently at something, and I don't think it, I don't think we ever find out as the audience what he was looking at. And it seems like maybe that was supposed to be the follow up, maybe that he saw her drawings and 
and then saw those pages and like that makes more sense but it's it's all over the place i don't know if this is like yeah so i i think so i don't want to jump too far ahead yeah but gregor also looks at those pages and he's like these are the same symbols on anola's back and i think maybe he saw that and he might might have had the same thought yeah maybe uh, okay i don't know maybe maybe i maybe i just need to rewatch and go take go take a look at uh at what, what he was actually looking at and maybe it, it's more obvious when you are looking for it but it was bizarre to me so um so Gregor returns you know, out of nowhere. To, uh, Gene, uh, Triplehorn, you know, Helen, and, and the Mariner are at their lowest. They don't know what to do. They don't know where Enola is. They're they're left without a ship because their ship is wrecked. Um, and Gregor shows up in his sick ass uh, hot air balloon thing, and he brings them back to the start of a new atoll. Survivors uh, from the the atoll that was destroyed are reconstructing a, a new one. It's the start of a new civilization. Uh, and they all sit down to discuss how they're going to get Nola back. And the Mariner sets off alone to bring her back. <laughs> um, I think he says something like, I'll, I'll go do it. And, and it's, it's dumb. It's, there's, there's not a lot behind it. But I don't yeah. think he has a really great reason or anything like that. But he's, he's decided that he's going to go do it alone. Um, he arrives at the freighter that, uh, that all of the smokers and Deacon live on. Um uh he he pulls up on on a jet ski that they took from one of the dead smokers that I don't know they killed at some point or something or other. He takes a jet ski yeah, to it. That was I think I'm pretty sure that was cut out. I thought I read somewhere that they ended up cutting that part out. Yeah, I kind of remember watching it. I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> but they, they've got a jet ski for some reason. All right. I, see, that's the thing is I'm like, okay, with the like hand waving. I'm just being like, all right, we have a jet ski now. We took it after the whole thing. I don't know. Um, the So he climbs up the side of the freighter ship uh, and Deacon's given a speech while holding a fifth of Jack in his hand. And I've tried this. I've tried to give a speech with a fifth of Jack in my hand and, and it rarely works. You know, I, I feel like if you're holding the fifth of Jack, now's not the time to be doing speeches. It's not a good time. Uh, put down the fifth of Jack, take a nap, and uh, try it again. Uh, yeah. There's also some during this speech. He's yeah. tossing cigarettes, he's tossing cigarettes and spam into the crowd, and uh, he's just like, "Where are all these cigarettes coming from?" Like, but, uh, the cigarettes he, irked me so much in this movie. He's throwing, he's throwing the spam too, which is uh, I, I was watching the scene with Jack Black, you know, the one that was cut. And mm-hmm. I, there's stacks of the spam behind him, but it's not it's, spam. It says smeat. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that works. It's not, it's not spam. It's smeat. Um, did you notice how conveniently placed the holes that are rusted out on the side of the freighter ship are? Because it just looks like a rock climbing gym where it's like yeah. very clear path for him to climb up all the way to the top. He gets to the top and sees that they're, that the Deacon's doing a, a, a speech and, uh, He's up there. I don't. He's he's climbed up there, and I I don't know if it was just to establish that. I don't, I don't know why the fuck he climbs up there because he literally looks down. There's two smokers checking out his jet ski, wondering where like the person who's supposed to be driving it is, uh, and then so he fucking takes a dive off the top of the freighter, knocks the two uh, smokers off their motorcycles, uh, and then he drowns them. He holds them underwater and drowns them. Um. Yeah. 
then the Mariner cruises around to like the loading dock where like you can drive the jet skis up into the boat and it's kind of foggy and there's a guy in the boat and he's like is that you blah 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 he's looking for somebody who he thinks it is and he says just like bring it in slowly and uh the fucking Mariner he just floors it he floors it and straight rams this dude into a pole and it's kind of dope yeah and it's it's it was kind of another unnecessary thing but i get it it's just like like how else are you gonna get in there <laughs> but i guess like, I, I guess know. yeah i don't know i thought it was cool that he rammed to do with the jet ski I, I was here for it but i don't know why the yeah. fuck they they had him climb up to the top of the thing and i can only assume that it was because something was cut at some point yeah um Enola talks some uh, mad shit to Nord. So Enola is like, she's taken out and she's shown to the crowd up on the, the bridge of this uh, freighter. And Deacon's giving a speech and saying that, you know, we now have Enola who has the map and now they know where dry land is. And he's kind of bluffing here. He doesn't really know where it is. Uh, but he's just trying to like rally the troops and, and get them excited. Um, so Nola here, so she talks some mad shit and she's, uh, she's telling Nord, she's like, he's coming for you. The Mariner is going to come for you. And uh, she says, you should be afraid. He even kills little girls. Yeah. <laughs> and, North so, and, and North says, haven't we all? And it's really creepy. Yeah. In, in my notes, uh, note 77, Enola is great. Enola is note great. 70, a note, note 78, Enola is fucking great. <laughs> yeah. She's dope. She's dope. She talks a lot yeah. of shit in this movie, and I love it. And uh, she's, she kind of goes on to describe the Mariner to Nord, saying, like, he kills people. He's so tough. He'll kill you. He just kills little girls. He'll, all this shit. And I'm like, you make him sound like the worst person ever. And it's all like, I'm like, oh, because he is. He He's told her that he kills little girls and stuff. So, um, yeah, Mariner's a piece of shit. And, and I guess Nord should be afraid. Um Deacon finishes his speech, and they set out to find dry land. The Mariner arrives uh, on the top deck of the ship to face Deacon. So now at this point, all the smokers who were on the top deck, they all run downstairs. They're all hype. They're all jazzed on finding dry land. So they, out of the side of this freighter, come uh, oars, and they start paddling. Uh, leaves the top deck empty while Deacon is still up on the on the, the railing of the bridge. And uh, like a badass, uh, Mariner's just walking, walking down the ship. Yeah. When I was watching, I didn't know this was a boat. I thought this was like an oil rig. I didn't know it was, I didn't know it moved. I thought it was like a station, stationary, like, no, oil yeah. Rig. Yeah, it's a, it's a freighter. And it, we get actually kind of a fun reveal at the end here. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But, um, so the Mariner is walking uh, on the, the, the top deck of the, the freighter. He's walking towards the bridge. Uh, Deacon's saying, you know, get down there and start rowing. And he thinks he's one of his guys. And he takes off the, the goggles to reveal that he's the Mariner. And uh, uh, Enola talks some shit here and gets slapped by Deacon. And Deacon, call, he, Deacon drops a hard R here. Yeah, he drops I put that in my notes. Off. I was like, "Whoa, R word." Yeah, he says he calls he calls the Mariner the R word, and uh, I I find to put that he dropped a hard R. Um, so he calls he calls the Mariner the R word, and uh, the Mariner pops out a flare and holds it over uh, a, a well shaped thing that goes down to the oil of the ship, and uh, he calls Anola his friend. So it says, uh, give me my friend back. <laughs> and uh, he, he's threatening to drop the flare into the go juice. And Deacon says, he's bluffing. He's bluffing. He's, he's not going to do it. Fucking the Mariner lights up the flare, drops it in the well. And we see this flare fall 
you know, stories and stories and stories down into the oil tank where we had the creepy old prospector guy on the boat and he sees the flare hit the oil and his last words are do you remember oh, what his last words were? Oh, thank God. <laughs> he sees it. He sees the fucking flare hit the oil and he goes, Oh, thank God. Oh, SC blows the fuck up and the whole ship kind of blows up, but only out to the sides and not the top deck. So the Mariner and Deacon and Enola, everybody's fine. Um, but um, it kills a large amount of smokers and it's definitely the end of their oil. Yeah. So I, um, so. I watched, well, I was telling a coworker today at work mm -hmm. that we were watching this movie and then we were just laughing about it and we were talking about a piece of paper, 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 we doing that. Yeah. And then we were also talking about this part here and then we pulled it up and we watched it on like repeat, like three, four times. It is so funny. It's just, it's oh, the thank best. God. And yeah. we were dying laughing. It's the best comedic beat of the film. It's, it's, it actually, like, I died laughing when I saw that. So, yeah, props to them for setting something up early and then uh, paying it off at the end, and, and it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, below deck, uh, it's all fiery and shit. Things are bad uh, below decks. Um, Nord crashes a car below decks, and we, and I thought that was like the most unceremonious death for him. Uh, but he's not dead, and he sneaks up on the Mariner, but his gun jams. And the Mariner fucking blows him away. And it's kind of an unceremonious death, but I'm kind of glad that it was like the Nord ain't shit, but like he had the drop on him. I don't know. It's all it's a it's a whole thing. It's kind of a I kinda of wish there was like a uh they live style fight between the Nord and uh and the Mariner, just like wrestling moves, like I wanna see somebody get suplexed, but no, we yeah. get kind of this quick res resolution to the Nord's character. Um Deacon boards the seaplane with Enola, which is now on the deck of the uh, the the freighter up on the top deck. Uh, he's boarding the seaplane down below, and the Mariner's up on the bridge at this point. Mariner fires a harpoon with a cable from the bridge of the ship uh, down in front of the seaplane. So he shoots down the, the down the uh, down the freighter. So he's got the end of the cable out in front of where the plane is trying to take off. He takes that zip line using a cool like hook thing and uh and when he gets to the end of it he's out in front of the the uh seaplane as it's trying to take off he uses that same hook to hook around the the wheel kind of skid things on the seaplane and uh it yanks the whole like wheel landing apparatus right off the plane and it skids to the front of the ship uh, unable to take off. Um, Great scene. Yeah, he's reunited with Enola here, and uh, it doesn't doesn't do the double tap on Deacon for some reason. Just grabs Enola and they they bail. Uh, Helen, the Enforcer, and Gregor arrive in the hot air balloon and drop a rope to the Mariner and Enola, but gra uh, Deacon grabs it from the bottom. So uh, we see that uh, Mariner and, and Enola are like halfway up the rope and Deacon's at the bottom and he's trying to get to, uh, to the Mariner and Enola. Um, at this point, Helen throws a fucking bottle at him <laughs> and uh, uh, Enola kicks him in the head and he falls to the water below. Um, as the group make their escape, Deacon shoots a line on the balloon. So like there's like these cables that are holding the little like motorcycle thing that he's that they're riding in uh 
that's attached to the hot air balloon. Deacon shoots one of the lines, and Enola falls like a good 60 feet to the water below. Like, I was worried about her health, because that's a, that's a long way to fall. Uh, the Mariner... Wait, I was mad, because she, why was she sitting on the edge like that? I don't... She I was, do not know, yeah. It, it was... Yeah. I was like, why are you... Like, I don't know. If it was me in the that plot. situation, I would have been yeah. deep inside the freaking, yeah. like, bottom of that. Sitting in the floor. center, yeah. Um... The Mariner uh, hands a line to Helen, uh, attaches one side to his ankle, tells her to tie it off, and he fucking jumps to save Enola. Uh, as he falls, he the, the rope is, for some reason, the exact right length. Helen gets it tied off to the hot air balloon at just the right time. It's apparently a bungee cord, because the Mariner dips just in the water, grabs Enola, and springs back up as he gets pulled into the... Uh, to the hot air balloon and the three jet skis that were kind of converging on Enola's position crash into each other and uh, it's actually a bigger explosion than earlier in the film it is ginormous they go up like they were rigged with 100 tons of C4 and uh, and that's the end of Deacon uh, and two of the smokers and uh, using the map yeah my note on that it just said and the final friendly fire. Yeah, like, yeah. It's all movies, friendly fire. The Mariner didn't kill anybody. It was all friendly fire. It's just them fucking blowing themselves up. Uh, using the map on Enola's back and some Mariner and the Mariner's logic, which I actually think this was kind of a cool reveal, that all of their points of reference were off because the poles have reversed. And I thought that was kind of a cool twist. I yeah, don't that was know. pretty cool. They didn't really explain it much, but it's, it's fine. I think it's fine. Um... So he, he reveals that, you know, the poles are switched. They use that logic in the map to find dry land. They come across uh, the Big Island of Hawaii, but it's not the Big Island of Hawaii. It's actually the tip of Mount Everest. And I think that that is uh, revealed in a extended cut, you know, deleted yeah. scene. But but it makes sense if, if the polar ice caps melted and all the water raised, what's going to be left is the, the tallest point uh, on the planet. Uh, so they are kicking it on the tropical top of Mount Everest. Uh, they go into some huts. They see some dead people. The, we get a throwaway line from Gregor that says, like, they must have known they were dying and then sent Enola out as, like, a, a dying breath, you know. It was like a, they knew we were out here and they knew they, they, they wanted to help us. Um, and... Uh, it's kind of whatever Helen and Enola and Gregor and the Enforcer, everybody's stoked to be on dry land. It's the start of a whole new world for them, um, but not the Mariner. Uh, Enola goes back down, and, and we see that the Mariner is a fish out of water. Literally, fish out of water, because yeah. he is straight freaked the fuck out. He looks so scared. He's looking around. He does not like what he sees. He's, he knows that he uh, does not belong on the land. The same way that uh, Helen knew that she knew that humans were supposed to dwell on land, the Mariner knows he was not built for this life. Uh, yeah. And he explains to Enola that he doesn't belong on dry land, kisses Helen, finds a sweet trimaran conveniently placed on the beach, and he takes off. Takes off, heads out to sea on his new catamaran. We get a sweet shot of... Uh, uh, Helen and Enola looking out uh, from a cliff over the water, and we see him sailing away, and it's uh, the credits from there. Yeah. Um, uh, that scene there, so 
when I watched it, I was like, he doesn't have to stay on land. He could just live out on the That's water. what I was thinking. I was like, he could just fucking help them. You know, he just uh, docks offshore and, you know, he's a fisher and stuff. But I, but I guess they, yeah. Well, so apparently there there was a cutout. They cut a line out that was, um, he was looking for more people like him. And that's why he left. That was the main reason why he left, not the... I don't belong here. That makes it sense. The, I want to go find more people like, yeah. which I think they, I don't know why they would have cut that out. Cause I think that still would have made sense, even though they didn't reference that there are more people like him in the movie, even yeah. though they've, they never like said it, but they've had a name for, they call them mutants and stuff like that. So there's gotta be more people if they've encountered more. So I don't know why they decided to cut that out. I don't know. Yeah. It was just a weird thing. They, decide not to put in yeah it doesn't really make sense to me um i i they he could have just hung out around i guess he could he could still come back he knows where it is he knows how to find it i guess at this yeah. point uh he could go find other people and maybe bring them back and they set off set up a little water community off the island i mean you know uh you know maybe we'll get a sequel in 2022 and uh they'll wrap up his story i don't know you think kevin costner would be down to do a Waterworld yeah. Revisited. Everything gets a sequel. I'm surprised we haven't got a Waterworld sequel yet. Or a remake. I think a, <coughs> a remake would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, give us a remake. I want Carl Urban as uh, the Mariner. And yeah, I want... It would, be Car- you know, it, it would be... They would probably... Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, they would ruin it. Because it, it'd be like it'd be freaking... Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> no, it'd be... What's the guy from um, Star-Lord? What's the, why am I blanking on his name? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, yeah, it'd be Chris. Talking Pratt. about Mario. <laughs> Talking about Mario. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. A, Fresh off his success as Mario, he's gonna be a. Yeah. I think. I think. Uh, yeah. No, I think. Uh, I think we could re- we could redo this movie, and I think we could do it pretty well. I, I would like Carl Urban as the Mariner, and and do it a little bit more like Mad Max. Maybe Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy as the Mariner. Oh, uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah, that, I'm on board now. All right. Yeah. Well. Uh, I'll I'll call my my contacts in Hollywood uh, and uh, get this made. Uh, we yeah, need I'll to put film a it. Dollars towards that. Uh, we need to film it in Hawaii, and I want to be there. So uh, we'll pull a plan on that. Um, so that is the end of Waterworld uh, and the end of our first podcast for the most part. But in order to keep this thing going, we're gonna have to tell people what the next film that we plan to review is. And uh, you know, I think that we went for just a masterpiece of a first film and i think we got to keep that trend up i think we got to keep it going with the uh just straight masterpieces from the mid 90s so the next film uh in the queue is the biodome polly shore stephen baldwin (laughs) classic from 1996 you can say it now what a reveal what a reveal no 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 you know it's fine you nailed it it's all good it's biodome um and i've never seen this movie like at all i don't know all i know is that they got stuck in a biodome in a dome i don't i have no idea what this movie's about i'm just gonna let you go into it blind i'm gonna let you go into it blind and uh all i'm gonna tell you is that it's got a four percent on rotten tomatoes single digit rotten tomato score oh no so we're gonna have a lot to talk about this that might be my uh might be my last episode I don't know. It might drain me. 
it, it could. It could. I. You know what? If if this kills the podcast, I'd say it's worth it. We did Waterworld and Biodome, and then called it quits. And man, what a run! What a run! Yeah. Two episode run. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Um. I think that uh, that was very that was a very fun first podcast. And if you've if you made it this far, if you listen to uh, my annoying voice and the sultry tones of uh, of stacks this long. Um, we do appreciate it and uh, we'll see you next week for Biodome so if you're listening yeah. to this and we haven't recorded Biodome yet go watch it go watch it it's a hell of a film yeah. you're gonna love it and when you watch it just send us send us anything send us um, a freaking I don't know voice clip I don't know voice clip maybe send a voice clip or um... voice clip we could play or, or if you it... want uh, on our, our discord we set up a channel where you can just type your review uh, and we'll, we'll read uh, user reviews yeah um yeah, so get that in. Um, I'll probably. Um, I don't think it's that long of a movie, and so I probably I could probably watch it twice. So I'll probably watch it twice. Um, I might. If you watch actually, if you watch Biodome twice back to back as a as uh-oh. a as a human adult, man, you deserve some sort of award. Oh wow. Okay, you're not you're not setting this movie up for me. No, no, <laughs> you're. Uh, you'll All enjoy right. it. You'll enjoy it, but it's. You'll enjoy it for. For all the wrong reasons. Uh, technically, this movie was budgeted at 8.5 million. Uh, th- that's what it was budgeted. That's what its budget was, and it made 13.4. So, still a box office success. <laughs> all right. Technically, yeah. Yeah, technically. When do we get a Biodome sequel? Um, all right. Well, that's gonna be the, this, this whole podcast run is just gonna be us trying to uh, take old bad movies and get a, a sequel made, trying to get the buzz going. I'm for um, it. All right, stacks. I want to say thank you very much for doing this with me, and uh, I look forward to doing it again next week. Uh, I do not look forward to watching Biodome. Uh, I liked it a lot as a kid, so I want to see why why kid kid me was so dumb, but we'll find out. So yeah, I I'm, I'm excited. I like until it. I, next I, time. Yeah. You, uh, get, yep. you good? You got final thoughts on Biodome? No, no more final okay. thoughts. You're gonna Just have a lot of thoughts next week. Yeah, uh, make sure you um, share this with your peeps you're your friends and you know um, yeah that's how we're gonna grow show. this thing and and yeah if you like it yeah. please do yeah oh leave a review because apparently that helps algorithms and stuff rate and review leave a good review leave a good oh. review five stars only oh. five stars five stars or, five stars or get out all right I can, I can accept that i was i was looking more towards like the three four stars but five is fives are okay all right. Sounds good. I'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.